Hello and welcome to Scouting the Culture, a weekly podcast series about the Carolina Panthers and their approach to the 2021 NFL Draft. We are a proud part of the Rod Network, and please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe if you enjoy what we have to say. I am your host, JJ Hardy, and you can find me at Panthers Culture on Twitter. And joining me, as he will be every week, is Vincent Richardson, Managing Editor at the Rod Report. What's up, Vince? I'm good, thanks. How are you, JJ? Doing well, doing well. Hey, man, it was a fairly quiet week on the free agency front, especially yep. for the Panthers. I don't recall us making any moves. Did we make any moves? I don't think so, no. Yeah, I, I was looking, you know, to see what we would do all week, but really yeah. quiet, and there was a lot of speculation that we may be saving some money to try to acquire a, a quarterback via trade. And with everything going on on that front right now, it's, it's becoming, at least perceptively, uh, unlikely that we have do something major at the quarterback position via trade. Um, there's still a little talk about the potential for going after Sam Donald from the Jets. Yeah, I've been seeing a little buzz and rumors about there's inquiring about Sam Donald. Real quick, what do you think about the potential of a Sam Donald coming to the Carolina Panthers? I mean, I think it depends a lot on what you give up for him, really. I think if it's a, if you're investing significant assets in him at this point, I think that's a mistake. Like, you know, he, he's got three years of tape. It's, there's some good, there's some bad. Um, I, I think if you're, if you're, if you're trading a day two pick, for example, I think that's too much. Um, if, if the Jets draft some, I think it's probably not going to happen before the draft, but if the Jets draft someone at two um, and the Panthers say aren't able to address the quarterback in the draft, I think if you're if you get to sort of like you know May June and you throw a 2022 fourth round pick for for Donald or something like that, then I think that's that's maybe more reasonable because then you're effectively saying you know he's going to come into camp, he's going to compete with Teddy to to start. If he if he wins the job, then great. If he doesn't win the job, then you, you've lost a fourth round pick for a year from now, and maybe you get a comp pick back for Donald when he hits free agency. Um, so uh, yeah, I think that's more more reasonable but I, I certainly don't think it's a a a pathway that has a high probability of working out like not as in that he's completely hopeless but it's a it's another long shot rather than drafting an established quarterback and, and i agree with that i'm not a big sam donald guy and i've been seeing a lot on twitter social media in general and a few people have asked me directly on twitter you know what are my thoughts on sam donald recently i thought sam donald was was pretty good at USC. And then his last year at USC, I think he fell off a little bit. And I began to question if he was like actually the best quarterback in his draft class. And and when he was drafted, I still thought he went too high. And ever since he's been in the league, I think he's been a mixed bag, like most young quarterbacks are early. But I don't see enough in him that even despite maybe bad coaching, bad organizational structure, is something that I think he can overcome quickly. And that's why I'm not high on drafting form. But I do think he has some traits and I think he has some, you know, some athletic ability. I think he has a, a big arm and, you know, there's some potential there. But I'm, I'm with you. You know, you saying that we could offer something like a day three pick, you know, maybe in next year's draft. Or even if it's this year's draft, you know, if it's a day three pick, he comes into camp, 
Um, if he works out, it's, it's great. It's great for the Panthers. And if he doesn't, then we really didn't give up that much for him. Yeah. It really didn't damage us in any way. So I like the idea of, of doing that. I'm still not a big fan of him, you know, but I think I've proven in the past few years from my platform, if, if he's the Panthers quarterback, I'm going to get behind him. And if he comes in, you know, for some reason we go out and get a Sam Donald and he comes in the camp and he beats out Teddy Bridgewater and whoever else for the quarterback position, then he would have earned that, 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 that position. And, and I would get behind him, but I'm just talking about it because I, it's, it's been there. Um, and it's, it's been part of this discussion about the quarterback position for the Panthers. Um, that's been the elephant in the room. So, you know, honestly, it doesn't matter what happens this year for a lot of fans if we don't address the elephant in the room, that's the quarterback position. And fortunately for folks today, that's the focus of this episode is the quarterback position. And we have a lot of exciting prospects out there, um, a lot of big names, some of the names, or at least one of the names have been labeled as generational in terms of his talent. You know, when you think about somebody like Trevor Lawrence from Clemson. And so, um, but you never know. You never know who these guys are gonna be at the NFL level. You never know how their college game is going to translate to the NFL game. These guys look awesome in college. You know, most of the guys that we're going to mention today, you know, were all phenomenal, you know, in their college careers, but they all have flaws. And, you know, that's one of the things that we want to address today with this episode is trying to figure out why is evaluating quarterbacks so hard coming from college and going into the NFL. Vincent, can you answer that or can you at least, you know, try to uh, attack that subject? Is Why is it so hard to to, to evaluate the, the college quarterbacks? Yeah, so I think I can at least make some guesswork aside why some of it is so hard. So I think with every position, there is there are a range of different things you have to look at. So you have to look at sort of the athletic traits, technical traits, Sort of the mental aspect of their game, and then just kind of the the who they are as a person, and about their you know all, all the stuff that 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 gets talked about the combine and all that sort of you know will to be great and all that stuff that that I think probably gets talked about a little bit too much. Um, but but the difference is is that between different positions, the balance between those things changes. So, for example, for running backs, really the mental side of the game is not absent, but it is much less significant than the physical and technical aspects. So really. The running back game does not get that much more complicated from high school to college to, to the pros. Yes, you have some pass protection stuff, but ultimately it running the ball is running the ball. And if you know if, if if you can run the ball well and you have the traits to run the ball well, you can kind of project that relatively easily. And and there are some, you know, some positions are more technical, like the offensive line is more technical and and, and, and so there is a bit more of a, a a need to actually really dig deep into what a player is doing. But but the, the, thing, the thing that really sets quarterback apart is the fact that it's such a mental position. Like if, if if all playing quarterback was, was how well you throw the ball, then I think it would be much, much easier to be, for people to evaluate. Because you can watch someone throwing the ball. You can see how it comes out of the hand. You can see the accuracy. You can see the, 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 the power they're able to get on it, the velocity, all those things that you can kind of see and not necessarily quantify, but you can assess fairly easily on, on, on tape. The issue is, is that so much of playing quarterback is not physical. It's, it's mental. It's, it's the decisions you make with where to go with the ball, how you're able to, to read what's happening in front of you. And while you can 
get hints of that from tape, it's it's very hard to really assess that properly. And I think that's the thing that that causes the the randomness in 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 quarterback evaluation is that you you ultimately can't know what's going on in someone else's head, and you can you know you you can start to make some assessments on it. It's not like you just have to you know pick a random number out of a hat and say they're that good. But but how how someone is going to be able to adjust their the mental side of their game, particularly from college offenses that are much more simple in general than NFL offenses, how they're able to do that is is just that's really difficult. And obviously, personally, I'm doing that from tape, which is probably even hard. You know. I'm more limited in what I can say based on tape than what, I, what you could say if you get to interview these guys. But even if you get to interview them, you're still, you know, how someone performs on a whiteboard and how someone performs on the field are not the same thing. Like right. being able to conceptually understand a play and being able to read and react to it when you're actually out on the field are very different things. And right. the speed of the NFL game is greater. The complexity is greater. You, It's just, it puts, it puts a huge strain on the ability of a player to, to process in real time. And evaluating that's really hard. And that's ultimately what, what I think causes a lot of the difficulties in evaluating quarterbacks. And, and I would agree with all of that. Um, what would you say to some of what we see on Twitter, you know, with NFL analysts, a lot of um, notable NFL analysts weighing in on quarterbacks. And then it was a particular NFL analyst, um, Dan Orlowski, who, did I get his name right? I think so. I'm not an expert on, on, oh, yeah. on it either, but yeah, he um, he got on this week and he was asked a question about Justin Fields, and you know, to his defense, he didn't say what he felt about Justin Fields, but he still you know regurgitated things he had been hearing, which a lot of people gave him a lot of flag for. Um, I think it kind of spoke to um, Justin Fields' lack of work ethic, focus, uh, things of that nature, and. I think, you know, not weighing in too heavily on him in particular, you know, him being right or wrong um, in that situation. I didn't necessarily agree with it because I think, you know, whenever you proliferate information out there like that, I think all of that has energy. And if it's negative, yeah. it, can damage, it can damage the prospect. And, you know, and, and ultimately, when it comes to being drafted, you know, if you put negative information out there, you can take a guy who has potential of going, I won't say in this draft, but Justin Fields is a number one overall type talent. If Trevor Lawrence wasn't in this draft, I would think that he would probably be the, the number one draft uh, prospect, you know, at least top two, top three. But now you have the potential with your negativity or, you know, regurgitate negativity to take a guy from being drafted number one, number two, number three overall to maybe going later in the first round, sometimes slipping to the second round. And yeah. um so I, I mean, can you can you offer any context to to how difficult it is, you know, to to process, you know, not just the things you talk about, arm talent, you know, you know, velocity, you know, the ability to read the field, you know, the ability to get an in, in NFL playbook and learn it quickly and, and go out and command an offense. Um, you know, you try to project all of that based on what you see on film, you know, but then there's these intangible traits that often get brought into the discussion with a lot of these quarterbacks entering the draft. And, you know, you have people who get paid to talk about NFL talent, you know, sometimes um, bringing that stuff to the forefront. You know, what do you, what do you think about, you know, that part of the QB discussion? Yeah. So I, I generally think far too much is made of, 
the idea of quarterbacks as leaders. Not because I think quarterbacks can't be leaders or shouldn't be leaders, but the idea that that the, the, there are definitely examples of players who it is clear from whether you interview them or see them talk, like I think clearly do not take the, the game that seriously. And there are also players who clearly are obsessive about everything that happens. Right. And I think there is there is definitely some value to the the to trying to assess the drive and work ethic of players. Right. I think, however, the caveats to that are one, the idea that you just circulate what someone else has told you about someone. I mean, I understand that's partly the job, but you'd hope if you, you know, I think it is irresponsible to just say, well, I've heard he's lazy or I've heard <laughs> he's this. Like, I, yeah, I think that's irresponsible. Like, you know, if you did that from a, like, just from a journalistic point of view, that's just really bad. Like you should not just like come on and to you know, TV and just say things you've heard about someone. That's, that's yeah. just gossiping. That's not actually evaluating. Um, right. I also think there's a lot that gets done that is trying to either create narratives that don't need to be there. So like, yeah. Or, or also, like, ultimately, most things are a spectrum. And the majority of players are neither Peyton Manning, obsessive, not leaving the building, you know, until mm-hmm. two in the morning, working so hard, you know. You know, the, most players aren't either Peyton Manning or the guy who just turns up completely out of shape, does no work, and doesn't give a shit. You know, most right. players are somewhere in the middle. And I think right. the NFL as a community does maybe a little bit too work to try and make big differences out of small differences in those regards. Like whether a guy is in the 75th or the 61st percentile of like effort of NFL quarterbacks, I ultimately don't think makes that much difference compared to their talent. I think, I mean, also there's, there's a whole lot of just lazy stereotyping that goes on. Um, Like I, I think there are, there are, there are undercurrents to a lot of what gets said not necessarily by Olofsky in particular, like I'm not making a comment at him, never met the guy, yeah. it could be lovely. But I think at least historically, there are undercurrents towards a lot of what gets said. And there are definite trends you can make in terms of what comments get leveled about what players in terms of why some, you know, it's a lot of it's just lazy. It's just, it's just, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's, I think it's the laziness of a lot of it that frustrates me. Um, it's the idea that you just throw a label on a player because you need to have a take and you can't just say, yes, he's, quite good you 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 have you have the the issue with things like talk radio and 24-hour sports commentary is that you have to have something to say and it's very hard to have something to say for that long and sometimes it means you just say stuff without really having anything to say and i think that when that starts to get getting taken seriously it's it's an issue I, i should also say that teams are you know ultimately run by independent human beings who can make their own decisions and if right. they start believing stuff that's getting circulated in the media without doing their own background research, that's kind of their own fault. Like it's not the prospect's fault; they can't really do anything about it. But if you know, if, if a team hears what 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 some you know talking head says on a, a chat show and goes, "Well, must be true," then I mean that's kind of you know they should be doing their due diligence beyond that. So you can't just say like you know teams have no agency in this. But but yeah, I mean I think you should try and stick to things that you can actually point to something and and justify what you're saying rather than just sweeping generalizations based on a feeling if that makes sense no it, it does make sense and you know honestly justin fields you know that commentary about him this past week and even before this week and i think before that it was about his ability to make 
uh, make it through his progressions, um, you know, him being slow, you know, through his progressions or whatever. Yeah, there is some truth to that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and yeah, and I, I think it's some truth, you know, to a lot of guys. I think I think that for some, it's the truths, you know, about their deficiencies are highlighted more than others. Yeah, that's definitely um, true. I think, you know, there's, there's definitely, you know, a lot of good, you know, with a lot of these guys, but all these guys have, you know, some blemishes in their game. And it's just that you don't hear about the blemishes of some, you know, versus the others. And that, no, that, 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 that's, that's absolutely true. Yeah. Yeah. And so we just have to be, I think, you know, for what you and I are doing and not saying that, you know, that your analysis and your film critique is, is perfect by any means. I know that I'm not even a person who touts himself as a film analyst. Um, but, you know, I watch these guys play. I watch them play in real time a lot, you know, especially, you know, the the top players. You know, you look at a Trevor Lawrence. I've seen, you know, almost all of their games, you know, from the time he stepped um, into the star role at Clemson, taking over for Kelly Bryant. You know, I've watched a lot of Justin Fields. I've seen, you know, and, and followed some of these guys since they went high school, especially mm-hmm. um, Lawrence and Fields here in Georgia. And so, um, you know, so, yeah, I, I've definitely seen, you know, the good. I've seen the bad. I try to keep it real about the good and bad. Yeah, but, you know, when it, when it comes to NFL pundits and, and them doing their jobs through the week, you're right, you know, from the Super Bowl – until the draft, they have to start creating narrative. Yeah. And, and and then they have to sustain narrative, you know, as the offseason um, goes towards free agency and the draft. And, and it's not enough to just get on every day and say, hey, look, this guy is going to be the next, you know, great Hall of Famer at quarterback and, and this and that. You know, they have to have something to say. And sometimes – that something is inappropriate. And so, but that's not what we're doing here. You know, we want to, you know, bring, (laughs) we want to bring these, you know, these, these prospects in front of you have open and honest dialogue about them. You know, this isn't a hot take um, type of podcast, you know, or, or, you know, form of medium, you know, we just want to, to do our best to, to bring you these guys, tell you about the ones that we feel are the most talented, tell you about the ones that we feel, you know, are the best fit, you know, for what we do in, in Carolina. And, you know, and, and ultimately hope that all of them exceed expectations, you know, for, you know, for their NFL um, careers. And, you know, that won't happen with the majority of them, but there will be some, you know, who rise to the top. So without further ado, you know, this is about the quarterback position. This episode is about the quarterback position, you know, which has been the elephant in the room for the Carolina Panthers this offseason, you know, from discussions of trading for Matt Stafford early um, in the offseason to getting involved heavily, you know, with the Deshaun Watson talks, you know, which have probably been stymied a bit, you know, most recently talking about, you know, potentially trading for Sam Donald. But the best route, if it's there, for me, is, is always the NFL draft. Uh, being able to draft your own guy, develop your own guy, um, have that rookie deal, you know, that that gives you a lot more cap room flexibility. Yeah. And so what we're going to do today is bring you our top quarterbacks, you know, the, the ones that most of you already know. But Vince is going to do something um, a little unique in, in ranking them for you. And I think you'll find a few surprises you know, and how he ranks the guys. 
but I'm gonna let Vincent defend those rankings <laughs> for you. And uh, and and honestly, I just think it's refreshing, you know, to to see some some different position rankings um, for the for the quarterback. So I'm gonna give you the top guys, and I'm just gonna kind of throw them randomly out there, and I'm gonna let Vincent go through them in order and tell you what's good and what's bad for each guy. I'm going to stick with the unanimous number one because I think everybody feels that way about this guy. you know. But I'm going to give you Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Matt Jones, Kyle Trask, and Kellen Munn. Those are the top seven quarterbacks who we will be discussing today. And Vincent, yeah. in your order, yeah. I want you to go through these quarterbacks and tell us what's good and bad, sir. Okay, so number one is Lawrence. Um, I don't think that's a huge shock for most people. I think he, again, part of the thing about evaluating quarterbacks being very difficult is that realistically, the odds are out of these seven guys, one to three of them are actually going to be good NFL quarterbacks. Like realistically, it's about who has the best chance of being how good. It's not, you know, none of them are locks. So that said, Trevor Lawrence is very good. Um, His arm talent is as good as anyone in the class, really. You know, can push the ball down the field with ease, really good velocity, very accurate on all three levels. Um, I think in terms of pure throwing the ball, very few questions about his ability to do that. Decision-making, he's not perfect. I think quite a lot of work was done for him by Clemson's scheme. Like, you know, he was not in that pro style in offense. There was quite a lot of RPO stuff and, and quite preset reads. But he made generally good decisions of the ball. There are some mistakes and some area for improvement. Um, does have a tendency to sort of occasionally just make a really bad decision and not see a defender, but it, it is a very occasional thing. Um, again, how he projects the NFL will depend a lot on coaching and about his ability to learn and continue to master the mental side of the game. Like there is a lot of work between where he is and where he will need to be to be a good NFL quarterback, but there are fewer obvious flashing lights saying, no, don't do this than there are for any of the other prospects. And for me, although he's still, you know, I'd say 50, 50 chance at best to be like a good NFL quarterback. That's, really about as good as you're going to get barring the like generational type prospects. So unless you're talking to Andrew Luck, it's it's always going to be something of a 50-50 shot for these guys. But but he is he he is the best. He has the best combination of ceiling and floor of any prospect in this in this class. So for me he's number one. Um okay. number two is Justin Fields. So Justin Field watching Justin Fields on tape is an interesting experience because there is a lot of really, really good stuff. Like the, the, you know, again, he's on talent is as, you know, with Trevor Lawrence and maybe one or two other guys, he is like arguably the, the best pure thrower in this draft. He's got you know, very good arm strength and really good velocity. His, his intermediate and short accuracy is remarkable. Like his ability to fit the ball into tight windows down the field. is just fantastic. There are a few underthrows down the field, but I think that's more, a timing thing than anything else um, and something that, you know, not there's, there's not that persistent of an issue. And he shows the touch to work it into vertical windows. Like really from a pure throwing point perspective, there are, there should be almost no questions about fields. I think it's one of those things that there is this narrative that he only works off his first read and can't work through reads. And that is 
largely nonsense. Like, I, I, like the idea that he's a one-read quarterback, I think, is completely ridiculous. Like, if you watch him on tape, he clearly works past his first read on a fairly regular basis. The idea that he he, he can't do that, I think, is 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 laughable. What I think is true, however, is that he does not work through reads very quickly. Right. Uh, he gets caught on reads, and he makes too many just like bad decisions. Right. So there are essentially there are a lot of very good plays, and there are a, a few too many really bad plays to be to be like to have him right in that very top tier for me. But he, yeah, I think he. It's one of those things where it's really like he's a player who how how you assess him through interview and what you think of his ability to continue to improve. And the fact that, you know, if you think, if you really think he is just scratching the start of his potential, then he is absolutely worth a top five pick, you know, top three pick, whatever, just, you know, take him number two. Yes. If you're not that confident, um, then I think there are enough red flags to think that if you don't think he's going to get that much better, if you think he's, he's kind of getting towards where he's going to be, he is not ready to be an NFL quarterback yet in that sense. Um, yeah, I think I think the, the big things are the processing speed. So like the NFL game is just going to be way faster and you need to get through reads faster. Some of that is Ohio State's offense. Like it is a factor of their offense that they do not push speed as a thing. They don't run that much of a quick passing game. Yeah. With that said, he definitely does watch to see guys open rather than throwing them open. Like there is not a huge amount of anticipation with him on tape. Right. And, and that's going to be an issue when you're throwing into tighter windows and when the ball just needs to come out faster at the NFL level. It also leads to to issues getting caught on reads. Like he definitely sort of gets locked into certain reads at times. Um, sometimes this isn't really an issue because if the round comes open, it's fine. And there and like there are definitely times where he his arm talent allows him to do this. Like there are a couple of touchdowns in the Clemson game yeah. where like the first one where he fires like a contested catch to the tight end on the left hand side. Like yes. the guy was sort of open, and like sometimes you have to take a risk but there were right. two like wide open receivers right over the middle of the field <laughs> that were just way less covered that he could have thrown the ball to. Like right. he got locked into that's the guy I'm going to throw to rather than there are two guys just running wide open on, on like sit down routes. Just, just yeah. he made it more difficult for himself than it needs to be at times. And again, the second touchdown, I, th- I think it's the second touchdown where it's that tight window between two defenders to the tight end um, over the sort of, the sort of center left of the field. There's yeah. a drag route running underneath that that's just going to go for a wide open touchdown if he holds the ball for half a second longer. And, right. and again, he makes the throw. If you make the throw at the NFL, it's fine. Like it's not the like this is a terrible play. He's a bad player, but it's like those throws are going to be harder to make. Like you're making you're making your life more difficult than it has to be. Yeah. And there are also times. I'm the more frustrating thing is there are times where there's like there is clearly an open receiver. Just you know, you find yourself watching it going, just throw the ball. Like he, he's open, just just throw the ball. And he right. tends to he tends to hesitate on open routes and like double clutch when there's just no like just let the ball go like you you can you know the guy's wide open just make the throw and he seems yeah. to he seems to either not trust himself or not really not just re- it takes him too long to to make the decision to do it at times right um, and this really shows up against the blitz more than anything because it when you know if, if like and, and I think part of the reason why people talk about his Indiana game is a really poor game. And it wasn't wrong. It was his worst game. But it's yeah, the fact that... I watched in, that game, by the way. It, it was horrible. Indiana ran a lot of NFL-style pressures. They did more to make, it, you know, to make him anticipate and to move him off his spot and make him work down the field yeah. against the Blitz than any team. They did a really good job defensively. And he really struggled. 
doing that like either either he just isn't seeing the blitz or it isn't being the thing is that you don't know whether they're just not communicating to him this is what you have to do against these blitzes like you don't know you know it isn't up to him to go out there and work out how to combat these blitzes coaches have to be doing that and yeah. if they're not doing that then that's not his problem but there were right. still times where like they were bringing blitzes and he just was you know almost basically just standing there waiting for the blitz to hit him because he you know, he either got his eyes down and didn't see open guys or he just wasn't anticipating the way that they were going to come open because he took a lot more sacks and hits on plays where there are open receivers for him to hit than you would like. And I realised you know, the fact that I'm going on about this, it sounds like I, I, I'm ranting about how bad he is, but he's not. There's just there's some really frustrating parts of his game to go with the really good bits. Well, you know, I mean, I think it's important to, to talk about the negative parts because I think people need to to be able to understand the negativity that they're hearing from, from NFL analysts. Yeah. You know, you, you know, we wake up every day, we turn on NFL network or ESPN and you listen to these guys talk to you about these prospects. And then when they get to Justin Fields, there's a lot of up and down, you know, obviously he's immensely talented. You know, we yeah. all saw the Clemson game. And you, you see the big throws, you see the tight window throws that you mentioned. And even if it was the wrong, wow, he still was able to drill that ball in there. So you know that he has talent, but you can't forget the struggles against Indiana. Um, even the Northwestern game, he struggled for a good bit of that game, watching that game. And, and you know, and so, you know, but you're not watching film while you're watching the game real time. You know, you're not going back to see yeah, what he didn't do um, against certain looks. And, I, I was doing some research research on Justin earlier this week, and and I was watching someone break down his film against the Indiana team, and you know they did they brought seven a lot, you know, at yeah. blitz, and he struggled with that. And I remember, you know, the the guy who was breaking him down saying, "It's almost as if he's trying to play the position too right or too perfect." There were times where he had the opportunity to even use his legs, you know, where there was a, a running lane, you know, to escape the pressure. And he just stood there, you know, seemingly trying to get through his reads or stuck on, you know, the, the one read yeah. that he was programmed to look at. And he took the blitz and he looked bad. And, um, and, but and, the, and so... The, yeah, the, 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 there are also a couple of times where he sort of seemed to... I think I, I, it's one of those things where, like, if you keep, it's like Sam Darnold sort of the whole seeing ghost quotes for against the, the Patriots game. Like if you keep getting hit, you also start seeing the blitz everywhere. And there were definitely times as well where he dropped his eyes when he wasn't really under that much pressure against Indiana. Like there are a couple of times where like, it's almost like he's anticipating that he's going to have to scramble rather than yeah. just like waiting for the route to come open and throwing it open. Um, okay. yeah. I, I, I think, I think the thing that concerns me with Justin Fields is not the fact that he went out and had a bad game against Indiana. I mean, doing it wrong, that's not an encouraging thing. But I think the, the frustrating thing is, you, like, you watch the Clemson game and there is right. an awful lot of good in that game. And there's still, like, five to ten plays where, like, you're just not doing... You know, there's five to ten bad plays even in his good games. Like, the, yeah. the, the pick he threw into the corner of the end zone against Clemson, it's right. just, like, just don't, don't make that throw. Just, you know, it, it's, it, you know... It was unnecessary. There, like, there, and there, there yeah, were a couple... Yeah there were a couple of picks he threw against Indiana where he's like falling to the ground and just like flings the ball up in the air. And it's like, yeah. just, just like don't the one to the, the one to the right sideline. I know what you're yeah. talking about. He and there's around a couple of times. Yeah. And there's also the one over the middle as well, like quite late in the yeah. game where he's like running to his right and then just like tries to throw it back over the middle of the field as he's going to the yeah. ground. And it's like, just, you know, 
those decisions get you benched in the NFL. Like that, you know, you can right. you can the first interception he throws in Indiana, Indiana gets yeah, the first interception he throws against Indiana, he just clearly doesn't see the safety coming across. He misses the, the player, he throws the interception. Like that happens. Like th- that yeah. that play doesn't actually worry me that much. Like Trevor Lawrence makes those mistakes. Every player in this draft makes those mistakes every now and then. He just just didn't see yeah. the defender. Yeah. The that won't get you benched. What will get you benched is rather than taking a sack, just flinging the ball up there. Like you know the, you know the like the Heisman play that Manziel had where he like is about to get sacked and just like flings the ball vertically up in the air for the jump ball. Yeah. That gets you benched in the NFL because that's a ridiculous decision. Like there is no, that that's a bad decision that happened to turn out well. And like, right. like there are a couple of those from Justin Fields and like he, uh, the play that really sticks in my mind is like, I think it's a third and four right at the end of the Clemson game where he has like, I think it's the running back comes out and runs like a, a, a wheel route up the outside. Mm-hmm. It's not really a wheel. It's more of like a rail type route up the right sideline. And then you've got the outside receiver like comes in on like a drag and then kicks out on an out route. So like a, a like a, a, a nod inside on like a, a quick out type thing. And it's yeah. like third and four. And he just stares down this rail route and throws it into double coverage. And it goes incomplete. They're up, they're winning by like 30 points. It doesn't yeah, really matter. It didn't matter, yeah. But it's like the guy underneath was literally five yards from any defender past the line <laughs> of scrimmage on third and four, just throw yeah. like, and it's not even like he's on the backside. You know, sometimes it's like the guys on the other side of the field, it's clearly like the fourth read or something. And like, well, he could have thrown, thrown it there. It's like, he's not going to throw it there. Like the odds of someone getting quickly to their fourth read are pretty low, but yeah. what looked to be, I think is probably his second read on the play was wide open. And the first read was definitely, definitely not. And he yeah. tried to for, he he tried to Superman it into the into the first read rather than just taking a second read, and I think you know, there's the, it's those plays that you can't you can't pass open open receivers on third down in the NFL. Yeah, you like, know it's, it's 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 one of those things where you know one of the the traits a lot of people fall in love with with quarterbacks. Obviously, you know they have throwers of the football, so the more arm talent they have, the more fans love them. And so when you have these guys who have big arms and they have all the velocity, you know, all the all the strength, you know, in their arms, they also have a lot of trust in their arms. Yeah. And, and so, you know, where they should be getting through their progressions, you know, getting to their second read, their third read, you know, even if their first read is covered, sometimes you see these guys work too hard. Well, I want to say work too hard, just believe in themselves so much to where they think they can still get to their first read they can still get to the to their guy that yeah. they're targeting on that play and um and i think at the nfl level i think you have to have a little bit more discernment you know to know that even if i have the arm to get it in there it's still not the right play yeah. and some of that is on you as the player and i think um it's on your your offense coordinator and your quarterback's coach to kind of help you develop in that way too and so you know right now know as with all of these candidates we don't know how well they'll take you know to adjusting themselves or being adjusted by you know the staff that will ultimately draft them but you know but it is it's, it's an interesting um dynamic you know that you have with a lot of these talented guys like justin fields and the others the, that we'll talk about you know is that you know they have all the talent in the world and at the college level some of them are playing with some of the most talented pass catchers in the game mm-hmm. and so if <laughs> They trust their guy, they trust their arm, and sometimes they force things that they shouldn't um, just because they trust themselves too much. And so, like, you, like you, what you're bringing to the table is things that I think listeners need to 
to pay attention to when it comes to evaluating these prospects is that, you know, you're going to see that with almost everyone. I, I've seen the oh, same yeah, thing like, out of Trevor Lawrence. Um, Justin Fields is my number two prospect. Like, yeah, uh, I know. Yeah, I like, mean, like, yeah. And I, I just want to reiterate that too, you know, like. He's, everyone who's yeah. on this list does this stuff, either, either is significantly less talented arm-wise or does this stuff even more than he does. It's just like, there's red flags with all of these guys, basically. But I mean, but that, that's what I'm saying, you know, like, it's, yeah. I think it's important to have this discussion about Justin Fields, because I think, well, I don't say he, he has the most range of where he could be drafted at amongst these prospects. Um, but when you hear the, the, the rhetoric and the narrative about him, you know, he's been thought to be as good as the overall number one. And then some people have him going late in the first round, you know, yeah. just looking at different um, takes on on where he can be drafted. And a lot of it is based on, you know, these things that we're talking I think it's important to get into the particulars about the bad because we've seen the good, you know. So, like, what is it in the bad that, you know, that about and, you know, and let folks know, know that is there in case, you know, he is the guy you know, we're fortunate enough to draft if we go quarterback, you know, with number eight and he and he slips to number eight. Because I think in order to get a Justin Fields at this point, he would definitely have to slip to number eight or the Panthers would have to make some type of trade up to go and get him. But, you know, he's your number two. Yeah. Um, I think I would just, 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 just to summarize very quickly, I think yeah. just to sort of try and put, put some perspective on it, I think – People make a lot of lazy comparisons between prospects for all kinds of reasons that I don't think are fair. Right. The one, and like I saw a colossally idiotic tweet on about Justin Fields comparing his motion to Dwayne Haskins, throw motion to Dwayne Haskins on Twitter. <laughs> the only comparison I would make with Dwayne Haskins, other than the fact that the system they ran is fairly similar, is this, which is that Dwayne Haskins got drafted by an organization where the coaching staff didn't really believe in him and didn't really right. want him. Right. Justin Fields will likely also struggle if that is the case. Like if the Panthers coaches don't really believe in Justin Fields, I don't mean that you have to be sort of like, you know, pounding the table. This is definitely our guy. He's the greatest quarterback ever. But if, if, if they're not, if they don't totally trust in his ability to master this the mental side of the game and they're, they're, they, they are not convinced about it, then they should pass on him. Right. Despite all of his talent, if you don't if you don't trust the guy can actually do it, don't draft the guy. Um, I agree. But if you do draft him, then he makes total sense at eight and higher than that. Like if 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 you think he is, if if you are convinced that he is part way through his progression and that he is developing and that, that he's going to get better and that it's a matter of time and you trust your coaches to do it, he has the talent and there are enough good signs about his decision-making. Like, he can make good decisions. It's not that he doesn't know what he's doing, he just makes too many mistakes. And if you can eradicate most of those mistakes, then he's definitely a, a, an elite player. But if you think those mistakes are going to be, that, if, you know, if, if whatever reason throughout your evaluation you think these we can't get these mistakes out of him, then then pass on him. Like, like he, is, he is one of the hardest players to tie down in this draft because he has as much good as anybody and he has more bad than you'd like to see. So it, it, it's right. he's he's one of the hardest players to tie down, which is why I sort of am quite so mixed about how I feel about him. Well, I mean, that's an interesting thing, you know, that you just brought up. And it's not specific to Justin Fields, more so than it is indicative of the weirdness of this 
entire quarterback draft class. Yeah. This draft class has, to me, been a slight bit overhyped. Yeah. In terms of the talent at the top, because seemingly every team, aside from like maybe three or four, are quarterback needy this year. You know, if not for this year, for their future. Yeah. There's a lot of shifting at the quarterback position around the NFL. There's a a generational transition happening, really. It's it's a generational transition happening. You know, you have um, Drew Brees going out. You know, you have um, uh, Philip Rivers going out. You have Tom Brady, who's like 44 years old almost. Uh, You know, Ben Roethlisberger, you know, questions about him. Matt Ryan, questions about him and his age and where he's at. You know, it's a lot of transition happening. Yeah. And I think because of that, the talk all offseason has about there being at least four quarterbacks going in the top five, six um, draft picks. And I don't know if that'll happen, but all offseason, you know, that's been the talk. And then you've seen, you know, uh, teams like San Francisco make these big moves, you know, to go up so they can make sure that they get their guy. And I think what's being lost is we talked about Trevor Lawrence. And as good as he's been, and we've been kind of knowing that he's going to be the number one pick for the last three seasons, uh, we knew that 2021 would be his year to be number one, um, unless he had messed up. And he really didn't yeah. mess up in any way to, 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 to take that away from himself. And so he's the clear number one, has been. I think what's being lost is the amount of surety in the talent, you know, yeah. in, in between Trevor and everybody else. It's like, it's Trevor, Lawrence, and then it's everyone else. Yeah, and, so, and, and, and even Trevor, it, it's worth noting that even Trevor is still probably a 50-50 shot. Like, like, right, and, and that's the, the crazy part. That's like, the crazy part. He's, he's 50-50. Trevor Lawrence is 50-50. As good as he's been and as much as we've known that, you know, like people were saying that, people were saying that he was the, 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 the surest thing since Andy Luck. And now... It's Trevor Lawrence, and then you have guys that are being mentioned in the same breath as him, you know, in terms of talent, which they could be, like Justin Fields, and you have, like, the Zach Wilsons, and you have the the Trey Lances. You know, like, all these guys are being lumped together because of the need for the position. But in actuality, you know, like, Trevor's the top talent, and he's, like, a 50-50 bet. And then you have like the next guy, like your next guy, most people's next guy, I want to say most people's next guy is Justin Fields. And even though he is as talented as he is, there's still so much, you know, that could go wrong with him as a prospect. But we don't see him as, you know, we, we don't want him to have that many things wrong with him as a prospect because everybody has made you believe that he has to go in the top four or five in order to, you know, to, to substantiate him Ultimately, as a player, and it shouldn't be that way. Ultimately, fans want their team to draft quarterbacks who they think are going to be good. And, yeah. and, the, and the uncomfortable reality is, is that whenever you draft a quarterback, you're making a, a, a bet, basically. Right. And, and it's about making sure you've got the best odds for your return possible. Um, right. I think Trevor Lawrence has both a very high potential return and a reasonable chance of return. Um, I think Justin Fields has the same amount of return. I think the probability is a bit lower. And the guys we'll talk about going forward, either some of them, the, the absolute ceiling is lower or the, the, the floor is lower. 
And really, whoever the Panthers draft a quarterback, if they draft a quarterback now, next year, the year after, barring like the very, very rare cases, is going to be at best a 50-50 shot. Like that, that, that's, that. that's why these kind of like trading from the heavens to go and draft your quarterback moves, sometimes they work out. Like Pat Mahomes clearly worked out for the Chiefs. Yeah. He was still a 50-50 shot. Right. Like there, you know, there were lots of things wrong with him on tape. He, yeah. he, he he's addressed them. He's got better. Those things, you know, and and the key is deciphering Pat Mahomes from Mitch Trubisky or or Pat Mahomes from Jamarcus Russell or Johnny Manziel or you know players. All no quarterbacks enter the NFL ready to play a high level at the NFL. Even even you know, but even as good as Cam Newton was right away, he still had to get better to be a consistently good NFL quarterback. He really did. And, you know, even going back to Pat Mahomes, you know, because I think the Pat Mahomes phenomenon has really warped what we should expect from young quarterbacks nowadays. Yeah. And, and people really forgot that, well, at first, Pat Mahomes was able to sit for a full year before he had to, to really play. I think yeah. he played in the, in the 16th game of his yeah, season. Yeah. And then you know he took the job is the you know for the for his um junior for his junior season but for, for his uh, second year and look back you know and it's been the Pat Mahomes show ever since but I think an underrated part of Pat Mahomes story you know was the fact that you know he was a 50-50 you know prospect but he went to one of the best quarterback coaches there's been in our generation and and, 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 and he went to a borderline playoff team. Like that's he, what yeah, I'm saying. He, he went to a great situation. The defense wasn't great. Coach. Yeah, but the O line yeah. was really good. They invested heavily in weapons around him. Fantastic and, and, offensive and, coordinator. And that doesn't take away anything from what he's been able to achieve. No. But it just but the idea that like he would definitely like if Pat Mahomes had gone to the Jets, he might be rubbish by now. Like and I, I like right. like like quarterbacks get broken by coaches all the time. And like yeah. I think that gets like when we talk about Sam Darnold and how he's turned out and like Josh Rosen potentially potentially as well compared to say Josh Allen like the Bills have had the faith to stick with Josh Allen through a year of really bad quarterback play bad, another year yeah. of like pretty mixed quarterback play and even now he has a lot of help around him like I'm right. not saying again I'm not trying to track from how well he's played but just like you know the idea that guys are just destined to work out is, is 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 false i think i think you you take a shot you do your best to make it work and you hope the, the player has the the drive and the ability to 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 work on their end as well and sometimes it works out sometimes it doesn't yeah. um but hey look man you know we could we could talk about that all day it's such a um a great discussion topic you know to get into the nuance of yeah, the about some of the and, and so we have we have so many more prospects to talk about but clearly Trevor Lawrence is your number one. Yeah. And then you have Justin Fields yeah. as your number two. Yeah. So who is your number three? Uh Callum Mond. Woo! Yeah. That's different. <laughs> yeah. I I, I again different. I think this probably reflects the fact that I am slightly higher on Mond than most, but also that I am slightly lower on some of the other quarterbacks than most. So okay. so like the reason why you haven't heard some other names already is probably mostly because I'm low on them rather than because I'm super, super high on Mond. Though I am a higher on Mond than the most, I would admit, like I, I probably have him higher than most. But it's refreshing though that you are. I mean, I, I just want to stop and say that it's refreshing that you're high on Mond because 
I, I would think that this is the first time I've seen him be anybody's number three. I think Chris Sims has him quite high as well. Um, okay. I would just say that just for for full full balance. But um, okay, I I think Mond has a very good arm. He's very accurate. He's got really good velocity. Um, he's got the arm strength to push the ball deep. I think the one question mark with his with his arm is his touch on deep throws. It's not that it's okay. bad. He just didn't really show it off a lot. Like he wasn't asked to make that. He either wasn't asked to or didn't feel comfortable making like that many touch throws down the field. And I think that is something that this is probably the biggest question mark from a pure throwing the ball aspect. And I think it is it's worth mentioning. It is also worth mentioning that like that's the biggest question mark about Lamar Jackson as a thrower coming out. So like you can like it's not like a kiss of death type thing. Um I think as a decision maker, he's one of the best in the class. Um again, there are still some misreads. He does get fixed on to, to certain receivers and he will need to uh use a more pro style scheme in the NFL. But he right. he is he is quite quick going through his reads, he makes generally good decisions. He does show really encouraging bits of anticipation at times, though they could be more consistent. Um yeah, I think he's again, the odds are it's still probably a I think he probably has a higher ceiling than Justin Fields. I think the like Justin Fields has a risk of just like completely bottoming out and just not being able to see the field. I think Mond, like worst case scenario, should be like a a a, a passable starter, like a guy who can just, you know, if he's surrounded by talent, can just sort of get it done. Um, yeah. but I think he has a ceiling there as well. And I think particularly like from out for the Panthers, really. Like Fields is is more. I, I think you can't. I, you I struggled to talk myself into Keller Mond with the eighth pick. I think day two you could start talking me into Keller Mond as an option. Um, well, I mean, maybe at thirty nine, but def, definitely in the third round you could start talking me into Keller Mond as a as a as a as a good value bet. I mean, and and honestly, you know, he's a guy that I've kept my eye on, and, and him and another guy we'll talk about later, I believe. You know, but Keller Mond is a guy I have, I've had my eye on in, in case we decide to go offensive line or cornerback or whatever with the eighth pick and you know we want to come back and get a quarterback later who could potentially be a starter you know like I'm, I'm all for you know the Russell Wilson's and the that Prescott you know talent that you can find on day two and so Kellen Munn has always been somebody I've thought about in that way you know I am surprised that you have him at at three but I, I have I haven't looked at his film you know enough I've seen him play a few times in college you know and so I've watched him play I've always come away generally impressed, you know, with what he can do. Um, the one question I have for you, you know, while we on Kellen Munn is, why would you say he hasn't had the same statistical success as some of the other quarterbacks that people are, you know, higher on? Um, I think there's a mix. I think some of it is he, he played against better teams for a worse team. Like, you know, uh, Zach Wilson was killing it for BYU, but it's, it's yeah. BYU. And like last year, they really didn't play anyone of note. Like they, right. they, they did not play good defenses last year. Right. Um, Trey Lance has played against FCS quarterback, uh, defenses. Justin yeah. Fields played for Ohio State, who were just clearly better than everyone else in the Big Ten. Yeah. Um, ditto with Clemson and the ACC. Hey, right. Yeah. <laughs> so like, you know, so yeah, yeah, tougher treading than yeah than almost everybody he, else. He he was playing for a mediocre SEC offense, playing against some very good SEC defenses. Like you okay, know, I can respect that. Texas A and M lost once last year, and that was to Alabama, I think. And Alabama were pretty good. They you know beat what? I, I, I kind of lost track of them. You know, I saw them beat Florida, but I didn't realize they didn't lose but one game. 
Yeah, I didn't they, realize that. they got a bit lucky against North Carolina. Like North Carolina did a, did a really good job of, of of playing defensively against Texas A and M. They they had a really good go in the bowl game, and I think he got that was probably his worst game I've seen him play was against North Carolina. Um, but Texas A and M have a really good tight end, like a really really good tight end, yeah. a fairly mediocre offensive line, and like for SEC standards, fairly decent but nothing special receivers and running okay. backs. Like he was like. Carl Trask had an, an elite tight end, a very, very good wide receiver, and some pretty good surrounding players, as well as a pretty good offensive line on the whole. Yeah. And yeah. also Florida's scheme, I'd say, is, is better than Texas A&M. Like Texas A&M aren't bad, but they're not doing anything radical. They're not at the cutting edge of offensive scheme, I would right. say, whereas Florida have done some really, really cool stuff. Um, yeah. So I, I, think, I think he probably was a good quarterback surrounded by fine talent, but playing very good defenses on a regular basis. Um, you know, and, and that, for context, I needed that, you know, because I think like most casual fans, you know, once I started looking at these prospects, first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to look at their, their statistics to see how they perform, how many touchdowns they threw compared to how many interceptions, what was their QB rating, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. what was their record, things like that. And so I remember going to look at Kellen Munn, you know, to see how he fared, you know, this season. And, you know, and across his career, you know, he didn't have any like eye-popping touchdown numbers or anything like that. Um, his interceptions, you know, have been relatively low, but, you know, because he doesn't have like great TD numbers, you know, like seven to eight interceptions, like, okay, like his ratio isn't all that great. Um, you know, but but when you put it in that context, you know, yeah. Texas A&M hasn't put out top skill player talent, you know, you know, in the last few years, you know, the years that he's been there. And, you know, they do have a good tight end. I, I saw him play, he's, you know, he's, he's a mismatch, you know, but they, I don't see a lot of talent around him. And, you know, overall his team hasn't been as good as the teams he's faced year in and year out. So that, I mean, that makes sense. I just wanted to get that because it was something that I was thinking about as I was looking at his his uh, statistics, you know, over the last week or so. And I was like, oh man, why, why hasn't he had that that same level of production? But that makes sense to me. Yeah, I think there's also a big, a big. It's also worth pointing out there's a big difference between like not having like elite elite numbers and like having bad numbers. Like so, the last three years, he's had 63 passing touchdowns, 21 interceptions, and uh, 19 rushing touchdowns. So he scored yeah. 80, 82 touchdowns and 21 interceptions. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah that, like, that, like, that's pretty good. Those that's aren't like, you know, it's not like throwing 40 touchdowns in a season type production, but like yeah. he has been, like, he has been good. Like, I think the comparison I make is things like Dak Prescott. Like, Dak Prescott was not tearing up the SEC for Mississippi State. Like, he was good. He put up good numbers. He was a good quarterback. But, like, if you're playing with fairly unremarkable talent against SEC defenses week in, week out, you're just you're just not going to put up crazy numbers. Yeah. No, that makes sense. You know, normally we get focused on the guys who play for those prolific offenses and they put up the numbers and we're like, okay, like, they're great, you know, because they put up great numbers, but they also had great talent around them. And they were, you know, apex predators, in their conference, you know, but Kellen Mann didn't play for that team. Um, and he still managed to have, like you said, you know, 82 total touchdowns compared to 21 interceptions. And I think most people would take that ratio. <laughs> yeah. And so, <laughs> and so, I it's mean, right. so that's, that's contest. And one thing I didn't account for, you know, when I looked at his stats, I didn't go and look at the, the Russian touchdowns, but I know that, you know, his athleticism is a big part of his game. So, you know, yeah, you, I, I have to include that. 
I th- I th- yeah, I, I think he's less of a dual threat guy than some others. Like, I think he's more of a he's a passing quarterback who can scramble occasionally. Like he he's and like yeah. in the red zone can maybe keep it on some read option stuff. Like he's like Justin Fields is a notably better rusher of the ball. Like Justin Fields can be you know you can run a lot of rushing stuff with Justin Fields in a way yeah. that Keller Mons can keep, like you 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 shouldn't be designing much of your rushing attack around him. Like yeah. You know, and he's a little slighter than you know than Justin Fields too. He's not as big. I think he's around six two and a little you know, about two fifteen, two twenty something. Yeah, like that. I think he's just also not as explosive and fluid as an athlete. Like, like Justin Fields is yeah. crazy athletic. Um, yeah. So so like he can run the ball a bit, but like I I don't think in the NFL he's going to be a, a Cam Newton or a a, a Kyler Murray. He's probably more of a. I mean, Dak Prescott is probably better as a rusher as well. I'm trying to think of someone. It's, but it's more of like the, the Teddy Bridgewater bit where he can get out of the pocket and he can run for a bit rather than him being like a guy you involve that heavily in your in your, in your your rushing game. So 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 maybe more so. I mean, not that Teddy was bad this year as a rusher, but I would say more pre-injury Teddy Bridgewater. Maybe Daniel Jones is a good comparison. Like he's a passing guy, but he's a passing guy who can run a bit if you need him to. That's a good one. Daniel Jones. I, I'll take that. I'll take that. You know, people underrate his athleticism, you know, until he broke out for that crazy long run and, and tripped over himself. Yeah, got tough monster. <laughs> yeah. You know, but so, okay, we got Trev, Trevor Lawrence as, as one, Justin Fields as two, um, Kellen Munn as, as three. Who's number four for you? Uh, Mac Jones. I, oh, Mac Attack. Okay. Yeah. I, I Again, I, I think I'm probably about where the NFL consensus is on Mac Jones. Like, he is going to struggle to be elite because his arm talent is not elite. Like he's yeah. he's got a like he's got a fine NFL arm. Like he's not going to struggle for arm talent to make most. Like he can make most of the throws, yeah. but he's not going to make. He's going to be fairly middle of the road as an arm arm talent guy at the NFL level. Um, yeah. Decision making is good. It's you know there was a lot done for him by the scheme, and he had some pretty open receivers to throw to. But he did you know he did make good decisions. Um, I think for the Panthers, he doesn't really make much sense. Like I think okay. his range of outcomes there are. The number, I think, if you're looking for a passable starting quarterback, I think he's a fairly safe bet, um, or at least as safe a bet as you get at quarterback. Um, okay. But I think the the range of outcomes where he's a guy who can lead you to Super Bowls is fairly reliant on him get, getting to a level of the game mentally that I think it is unfair to expect any player to get to. Like you know, he might get to, shouldn't be ruled out, but like expecting a guy to become Drew Brees or Peyton Manning. Is, is 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 fairly unfair. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, they put him in that category just because of the fact he lacks athleticism. And so, you know, a lot of people just by default say, well, if he's not athletic like these other guys are, if he doesn't bring that element to the game, then he must be cerebral. Yeah. It's, it's an easy label to give somebody. Um, and I don't think he's necessarily either. I think... I think he ran in a in a you know in a in a pro scheme with really good talent around him, and that doesn't take anything away from him. I, I saw him execute at a high level, um, you know, when Devontae Smith was on the field, when he wasn't on the field, you know. But you know, but he plays for Alabama. You know, he has a he has a great offensive line. I think they run a really good offensive scheme, and I think he executed that scheme as well as anybody has executed that scheme under Steve Sarkeesian. And, 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 and like you said, can't take anything away from him because he played so well in it. And I do think because he played so well in it, he's earned the right to be considered um, as one of the top four, top five quarterbacks 
in the um, in, in the upcoming draft. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk about him, you know, not to focus on, you know, San Francisco, but, you know, the reason he's been talked about so much recently is because there's buzz about him going as high as three. And, you know, that's not my business. I, you know, I would I would not take him that high. I, I think I wouldn't I wouldn't either, but I want them to. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I want them. I want them to, but I'm, I'm with you. I wouldn't have traded as much as they did, you know, to no. move up, you know, to to three, just to get Mac Jones. No, I, th- I think know, that's. Yeah, that th- that would be a e- either they have a lot of confidence in his ability to make significant impact mentally, or that's a mistake. I think he's. He's someone who I think you pick in the twenties. I think he, like him, he, him and Kellen Mond. I think are guys you you'd have to be really confident about their mental side of their game to start picking them above twenty. Like, See, and that's and that's crazy. It's crazy to in our off season, we've been hearing about Mac Jones won't go any lower than eight. You know, obviously we sit at number eight, and you know, so obviously I've been a little nervous about the prospect of Mac Jones becoming a Panther. Um, and so that's why I, I kind of want San Francisco to be goofy enough to, to draft him at number three, just so we can avoid it. Uh, but, but you know, what you're saying is how I always view him. Like, during, I thought he was a good player. And, you know, and his stock rose as the season went because, you know, I think this was like his first uh, – was, was, was this his first year as a full starter? Yeah, yeah, because Tua yeah, was his first year that. as a full starter. So, yeah, so this was the first time he started last year when Tua got hurt. And then, you know, this was his first year as a full starter. So his stock rose as the season went on. But it didn't matter how much his stock always had him. And I think the consensus was that he was late first round, early second round pick until the championship game. And then it was like, you know, the championship game and then the season. In that two-week span, he went from being a second rounder, you know, French first, you know, late first, early second, to being like a top eight guy. And I'm like, why? What what changed? You know what I'm saying? Like, why is he that? And like you said, he's your number four guy. Yeah. And even if he's your number four guy, for the people listening, being Vincent's number four guy doesn't mean that Vincent thinks he should be picked in the top 10. No. He's just his number four quarterback in this draft class. And it, it probably says, you know, more about what he feels about the people he has after Matt Jones than you know, yes, no, no, it, it, it does. Yeah, like, so um, I, I think there are players who I have below Mac Jones who, and we'll get to this in a second, but I think there are yeah. there are players I have below Mac Jones who I think if if you were really confident in their mental side of the game, you could talk me into being better than him. Like yeah. Justin Herbert on tape was not the best quarterback last year. Like I think I had, he was right. my, my number four quarterback. I think yeah, I think Justin Herbert was my number four quarterback last year because his right. tape really wasn't that good. But it was clear, like. Well, basically from the combine onwards, it was clear he'd made a real impression on teams at the combine and that there was a, a lot yeah. of faith around his ability to make good on his physical potential. Right. I can't argue with that because the physical potential is there on tape. If you trust that he can do that, you might be right, you might be wrong, but you're, you know, I think there's a difference between disagreeing with somebody on something and just not having the same information basis. So, yeah. Yeah. like, there's very little that you could do to talk me into taking Mac Jones at the top 15 picks. Like you'd have to, you'd have to think as in not because I think he couldn't justify that, but I think you'd have to be so confident in his mental abilities that I'd start to question whether you can actually be that confident in a player. Um, similarly, Justin Fields, you could talk me into taking him over Trevor Lawrence. Like it would take quite a lot of work, but you could talk yeah. me into it. 
Um, I, I don't think you've taught me to taking Mac Jones top 10. Um, and, so, I, and I respect that. I respect that. Obviously, I, I, when I looked at the, the, the prospects of drafting Mac Jones, it was always in a scenario where we would have traded back with someone and then he was still there later in the first, and maybe we just take a flyer on him, you know, later in the first or something. Yeah, I could but, see that. Yeah, but that's that's the only scenario where Mac Jones works for me. And I, I respect the fact that he's your number four. And, like, again, you know, I'm not taking anything away from Mac Jones. When anybody has asked me about Mac Jones on Twitter, I've always said that I, I believe he's a decent quarterback. Um, I live in Atlanta. I see a lot of uh, Matt Ryan. You know, he's in our division. We see him twice, you know, against the Panthers. To me, he reminds me so much of Matt Ryan, you know, to where if he can develop at the NFL level to be a Matt Ryan, then, you know, then he's worth whatever first round. I, I, I think Matt Ryan is towards, I think Matt Ryan is a, is a largely underrated quarterback in the NFL. I think Matt Ryan yeah. doesn't get as much respect as he deserves at times, but I also yeah. think Matt Ryan is towards the upper end of Matt Jones's range of outcomes. Like, yeah. I, I, yeah. I think... If, if you draft Mac Jones and you get Matt Ryan, I think you're very happy with that. Yeah, I think you've hit a home run. And I think yeah. the – I think, honestly, I think that's the the appeal to someone like San Francisco and Kyle Shanahan and the offense that he runs. I think if if he believes that he can be a, a Matt Ryan or Matt Schaub even, you know, from his days <sighs> with the Texans, uh, I know, but he was good with Kyle. I think if he becomes a guy like that's, that, that – that's more, that's more of a reflection of Kyle Shanahan than it is on, I know. on Matt Schaub. <laughs> Yeah, Kirk Cousins, you know, like that's that's an underrated person. You know, I think he's in that category of QB. And I think it's I about think you what, struggle to I think you struggle to win a Super Bowl with with um with, with some those type of guys. Yeah, Matt Ryan, you probably could have done. I they got yeah. very close to well, doing they should so. they should have. Yeah, I I, have I, I think Kirk Cousins I think Kirk Cousins has more arm talent than Mac Jones. I think Kirk Cousins makes more mistakes mentally yeah, than Mac Jones. At least Mac Jones has done thus far, though how he would fare at the speed of the NFL game. I, I, I don't think Kirk Cousins, I think Mac Jones would probably, Kirk Cousins is probably maybe a decent projection, but that's, again, there's just a bus factor with every quarterback that it's hard to say, well, he's going to be this because there's a chance he just completely can't cope with the speed of the NFL game. So, okay. yeah. So that's Mac Jones is your is your clear number four. Yeah. So who's who's fifth? Zach Wilson. So Ooh. the reason why I have him much lower than everyone else, or at least much lower than lots of people, because there are there is definitely a there is a a not community that feels far too far too strong, but there there is there is definitely a a lack of consensus on on Zach Wilson. Like I think some people, I think Ted uh, Nagoyan at the Athletic, I think he's yeah. Definitely more hesitant than many, um, and I think uh, JT O'Sullivan, who is another, I think, good quarterback evaluator. I think both of them are, 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 are much lower on Zach Wilson than lots of others, and I think both of them are some of the best quarterback evaluators I'm, I'm, I'm aware of. So I, I, I would highly recommend reading because they've gone very in depth on Zach Wilson, both of them. See, but I'm I, really hesitant to talk about Zach Wilson with any negativity because there's a big contingent of Panthers Twitter fans who love. Zach Wilson and, and I was slow to the Zach Wilson party I did tell them you know before the season ended that I was on the train enough to to draft him if the if the Panthers were to draft him um, but I wasn't all that impressed with him I do believe he has arm talent and all of yeah. that jazz and, and you're going to get into that I know um, but but I'm I've been one of the the cynics and it's hard for me to really be a cynic but I've been a cynic of, of Zach Wilson 
if it becomes a Panther, I'll get behind him. But, you know, but for me, um, I, I'm not as high, you know, so, but I haven't talked to you about why you're not as high. So, you know, tell us why you're not high on him. Like, I think all the criticisms that people make of Justin Fields are more true for Zach Wilson than they are for Justin, than they are for Justin Fields. Like, wow. I, don't get me wrong, lots of arm talent. Um, yeah. shows some really nice anticipation. There are definitely throws to get excited about. Um, you know, pretty good deep ball. Um, I think he certainly has the arm talent when he can use it. I think yeah. that I think I have more caveats with his arm talent than I do with a lot of the other guys. So although he can make some really, really impressive throws, the yeah. consistency with which his arm talent shows up is not super great. Um oh, wow. There are more underthrows on deep balls than you want to see. Um, also, his velocity seems to really come and go. And I think some of that is just because he didn't have to use it. And I think there's definitely a bit where, like his pro day, his velocity was more consistent because he was trying to show it off. But yeah. I think while he can make some really great off-platform throws, when he's throwing with just his arm, when he can't engage his shoulder and it's just his, his like his wrist. Yeah. I think he he can struggle for velocity at times. Like he has he has like weird misses on short throws when he has to throw with just his arm. And I think yeah. he he it's not that he needs to drive his legs as such. It's more that he needs to push it through his shoulder when it's when yeah. it's all like wrist and elbow. Then he he sort of short pops some really quite easy throws um, at times. And and the ball takes on some of his outside throws when he's not again not able to drive through his shoulder. The ball just takes too long to get there. And again. Yeah. Not in a way that like he can't make NFL throws, but like he's he's not a guy who every throw you think that's elite arm talent. Like Justin Fields, his arm is better personally. I think it's more consistent. I think maybe he could be a little bit more tighter in his technique than Wilson is, but 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 Wilson is a less consistent thrower of the ball than like a Lawrence or a Fields. Okay. And I think from the mental side of the game, one, he had loads of time to operate in the pocket. Like, you know, he he was definitely not quick in his reads. Um so they had they had a good offensive line, or they just didn't play against good defensive lines. Both. I mean, like like okay. BYU did not play very good defenses this year. I think I think that's the other thing is it's like players definitely get better, and the idea that he only has one good year, I think, is is not an issue. I think it's the fact that he had one good year and he didn't really play very good defenses. And when defenses did play quite well, he really struggled. So I think there are there are lots of really good plays but he he has fewer good plays than someone like justin fields and he has more bad plays i think he he makes he's far too content to just throw up contested passes and maybe right. that scheme and maybe that's what the coaches say to do but it's still like he misses too, he misses far too many open receivers he makes mistakes working through progressions more often than you'd like to see and he just just chucks up more prayers than really you can get away with <laughs> in the nfl and don't be wrong yeah. sometimes in the nfl you just have to chuck up a prayer like dj moore has answered a few prayers and teddy bridgewater's i'm sure that this, this year like yeah. where you just go yeah. like there is nobody open it's third and ten i'm just gonna heave it and trust you to go make a play like right. that is part of playing quarterback in the nfl when you're doing it on first and ten and there's an open receiver less good um yeah. like I, I again you can talk me into zach wilson as a top 10 pick because i think the underlying talent is there to be a very good quarterback right. but there are a lot of concerns um on tape that that don't make him undraftable or anything like that but again you have to be confident that he can make significant strides in the mental aspect of the game and that he can be more consistent as a thrower of the football that, that no. the talent is there but the the again the bust potential i think is really quite significant one of those guys that you're mentioning made a, a, a point to 
to compare him to a guy who's been drafted in the last two years. And that's Drew Locke. They had very similar production in, in college. And in, in terms of when they played against teams that they were far superior to, like their numbers were ridiculous. You know, they, you know like they had like the craziest stats, but when they played against teams who That's were- Thor Nystrom, mate, Thor Nystrom at that point, yeah. Yeah, it must yeah. have been him. Yeah, I, I can't remember his name and I, I should have saved that, you know, but- um, I, th I think I think I think I think that's a good point. I I would say Drew Lock had different issues. Um, okay. Drew Lock seemed unable, like teams seemed to be able to really bait him into trying to throw deep balls. Like you, okay. you know, if 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 there was a deep ball that like I've never seen someone just throw more balls just straight to safeties down the field. Like like yeah. Drew Drew, Drew Lock really liked throwing the ball deep, um, and he was going to throw it deep even if it wasn't open. Um, yeah. Whereas I think. Um, I think also Drew Locks <laughs> and the Panthers felt that wrath this past season. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, and it worked out for them. Yeah, yeah, like he, yeah, he's just like if you like, he's gonna throw it. Like, I mean, I think he yeah. has got better in the NFL. Like, it, there were some games that he played at um, at Missouri. It was Missouri, wasn't it? Yeah, that that were just kind of it was like I've seen you throw the ball into triple coverage like three times now. Like, it's the same yeah. route. Just stop throwing that route. It's the same coverage. It's, it's right. not going to end differently. <laughs> um, but, but no, I think I think Wilson played in a more complex offense. I think BYU's offense was more pro style. I think like it wasn't yeah. like he, he. But given that it was more pro style, he did not do a great job of, of of making it look that way at times. Like he 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 made too many mistakes for me mentally. Um, and I think yeah, as, as, as I, I don't think he has no chance, but I think he is a he is a fairly significant risk in terms of projecting him to the NFL. Like I, again, ceiling's really high floor is pretty low and i think there's a reasonable chance that he he he's i think, you, you, floor, you, think? You, you could end up with another sam donald like i don't think i think sam donald is not an unfair comparison just in the sense of like you get another guy who if he works it out has loads of talent but in three years time you could be sitting here going like hey stop making these mental errors please and and and, and that's very interesting and it would be ironic you know if he turned out that way because i believe the jets are going to pick zach wilson that number yeah two. i do as well yeah, and so, you know, if he turns out to be another Sam Donald, you know, for them, it would just be tragic unless they just put so much um, talent around him. You know, they build up a great defense to where even if he is Sam Donald, they will still be successful because of the, I th the I think, infrastructure is better. I, yeah, I think the bigger point is more actually doing the coaching better. Like, I, th I don't yeah. think that the Jets necessarily help Sam Donald's development very much. Like, I think that right. Zach Wilson should be able to get better. It's about how much he can get better. Um and so I think again, he's again like Justin Fields. He's a guy who, who a lot of his value is is based about how much he can improve. But I think if you compare him to Justin Fields, I think Justin Fields is better right now and has a higher ceiling. So no, I, 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 I I think you can talk I, around like Kellamond and Matt Jones and how you value floor and ceiling with quarterback. I think that's a different discussion. But like I, I think you'd really have to do some work to talk him over Justin Fields for me. Yeah, for me, you know, honestly, I've been trying to rank these guys as the season has. And it was always Trevor Lawrence, number one for me. And it was always Justin Fields, number two. And then I didn't even know, you know, just keeping it real, who Zach was until, you know, these guys on Twitter started telling me about him. And I started, like, quietly, you know, almost messing and trolling with these guys a little bit, you know, watching him silently and not speaking on it because I just needed to see more before I got confident uh, about what to feel about him. And, um, and I will say that I did warm up to him 
as the season went on, the more I watched them. I didn't always speak on when I watched them. Um, the only time I was really vocal about what I saw and didn't like about them was against the Coastal Carolina um, yeah, team, yeah. you know, when they played Coastal. And I think, I mean, I think he looked bad that game. And and, and that that's not exactly some elite defense we're going against. Like Coastal Carolina, know. like they're not they're not you know it's not like you're playing against someone who's legitimately bad. Like that's that's not an SEC defense or like a, a really good Pac-12 or Big Ten defense. Like that's a that's a deep that's a defense that at BYU you should be you should be putting up some big yards against. And is that? Yeah, I think wipe them off the map. You know, you know, and so that's that was the challenge I had. You know, so as as I was getting some momentum for Zach Wilson, you know, to and honestly, I was I mean, I, I was looking to see if he had any wrinkles or you know, not wrinkles but flaws in his game. And and, and Coastal Carolina, to me, that showed up. He still made some good throws, you know, and I think the on talent is there. He's a sexy quarterback. You know, he looks good doing it, you know, when he does it right. And, you know, he makes yeah. all the off-platform stuff. You know, he looks like um, Aaron Rodgers sometimes in the way that he throws the ball. Um, he's, to me, he's not in the same um, stratosphere yeah. as, as, as Aaron, you know. But I think I think because he reminds you so much of that, you know, the things that we love, you know, like these off-platform throws, these out-of-structure plays, like, is, I think that's his appeal, you know, especially to the younger fans. And and so, I mean, I, I still, I, I stand by this because, you know, I don't like going back on my word. You know, I was talking to those guys. If, if they happen to be listening, I would still be okay if, you know, for some reason, some odd reason, he slipped to eight and we drafted him. You know, like I'll get behind Zach Wilson. But, you know, in honesty, I, I never was as high um, on him as a lot of people were. So, you, you know, you having him at five is a little lower than I would have him. But I respect why you have him at five. So I mean, it's kind of refreshing to see somebody see him the way that I thought I saw him as the season went on. You know, but but okay. So he's your number five. Who's number six? So Carl Trask for me is number six. Um, again, like oh, I'm, wow. I'm not super enthusiastic about Carl Trask. Like I think he's fine. I think he's got a pretty good arm, not an amazing arm. He's really yeah. quite accurate. Um, Decision making, he's reasonably good, but def- definitely gets locked into certain reads at times and makes th- tries to make throws that just aren't there. Um, yeah. I think he's a uh, probably the guy that I think I would be least enthusi- enthusiastic about a team drafting, like just in a, in a vacuum. If, if it was just if regardless of like where you pick him or anything like that, I think he's the guy that there's the least upside of these top seven, um, and probably is unlikely to ever be more than just a fairly middle of the road quarterback. Um, yeah. but, but could like, I think the reason why I've included like, these top seven in particular is I think these are guys who have at least some chance of being franchise quarterbacks. Like, I don't okay. think he'll ever be a, a particularly special one, but I don't think there's a reason why he, you know, he could be a Jared Goff and that's not to say that high a ceiling or something that you get super excited about, but you can be reasonably effective with a Jared Goff if you've got talent around him. And I think right. if, if, if you're a team that doesn't, if a team that doesn't throw the ball that deep that often, like it at Kansas City it wouldn't make sense, but if yeah. you're a more short and medium passing attack um, that's looking for a guy who you can surround with talent and be effective, I, like I, he's been linked a bit with the Saints this last week, I think. And yes. I think in the first, that would be way too high for me. But if you're taking him in like the second or maybe even the third, I think you can start to talk yourself into that as a guy who who is going to make some mistakes and probably is not going to be the guy who leads you to a title. But if you've got a really good offensive line and some really good pass catches and a good defense like the Saints have had, Maybe you can, you know, you can make the playoffs with that. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I think 
Sean Payton has proven to be able to do is is take a quarterback and tailor his offense, the you know the short passing game, the intermediate stuff, um, to 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 fit a quarterback that may not have all the talent in the world. I mean, people don't realize you know, Drew Brees was always a good quarterback. He didn't have a Hall of Fame career, you know, in his first what four years with with the um, with the Chargers. Was it Chargers? Yeah, with yeah, the Chargers. Chargers. And so Sean Payton, you know, after that injury, you know, took Drew Brees in and basically had the perfect offense with the short passing game to accentuate who Drew Brees actually was. And and it took him, you know, to a Hall of Fame level. And now everybody coming behind him, you know, won't have the same ethic, you know, as Drew Brees, won't be as cerebral as Drew Brees, obviously. But I think Sean Payton proven that he can, you know, run his offense with the likes of, Teddy Bridgewater, um, you know, Taysom Hill, you know, now Jameis Winston, you know, may get a crack at it. I think uh, Kyle Trask, you know, would fit what they do. And there's probably not a better, you know, coach and system for him, you know, than the Saints. And then and I think as you were saying, you know, as you were saying that, I was like, well, well, if it fits the Saints system, then maybe, you know, he's somebody that would fit a Joe Brady system. I don't know if he's athletic. I, you know, I, I, I just don't I, Teddy Bridgewater is better than he will be, probably. Like, I, I, like, I know there's a section of the Panthers fan base that thinks Teddy Bridgewater is the worst quarterback who's ever played in the NFL ever, ever, ever. But like, Teddy Bridgewater is a perfectly fine quarterback. Like, if, if you want perfectly fine, surrounded by loads of talent, maybe you make the playoffs. Right? Why drop some? Why not? Why not just keep Teddy? Like, I. Like, oh, you, I'm glad that you, I'm, I'm glad that you're saying that, Vince. You know, obviously, I've been uh, berated on Twitter for a year <laughs> because I believe in Teddy. You know, to be a fine quarterback too. Um, obviously, you know those 0 and 8 in the 0 and 8 record in close games or one score games, you know, didn't help his cause or my defense at all. You know, but you know, uh, people lack context when they looked at how those games went down. There were some games that were on him, yeah. um, but they weren't all on him, and you know, and so that's why this. That's why this conversation is so uh, so difficult for me, not because I don't want us to get a better quarterback than Teddy Bridgewater. It's because I don't think every quarterback who's available in the draft is going to be an upgrade to him. And I, no, think, no, no. I think that's too casually stated, you know, for most fans to, to just say anybody but Teddy. And it's like, do you really believe that? You know, like, I mean, there was – we watched some good football last year and we watched some good football without arguably our best skill player. Um, yeah. And even though we had some good skill players and DJ and, and Robbie and Curtis, you know, Mike Davis was a, a journeyman running back, you know, who had never really been featured before, you know, playing this year, um, and, you know, in Christian stead. And so when you look at how well we perform, you know, for the stretch that we perform, you know, a lot of that was, Due to Teddy, a lot of the times that we were in close games was because Teddy had been good, you know, up to the point, yeah. you know, where we couldn't finish the game. So, so anyway, you know, before I go down that tangent, you know, I know I probably get attacked, you know, for, for promoting Teddy again, but I think we are in a really, if, if it depends on how you want to look at it as a fan and even as a, as a front office, the Carolina Panthers are, are, are in a really good situation. <laughs> When it comes to the quarterback position, if, you know, if you're looking at, okay, we have time to grow. Yeah. And 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 we shouldn't just be like over eager to go get any quarterback in Absolutely. this draft 
if we still have another year where we have Teddy in the fold and we can build around, um, not just build around him per se, you know, as he's going to be, the, as if he's going to be a future, but we can build this roster and we can potentially make a power move, you know, next season or whatever for the quarterback position. I, I think I, I wish we could, you know, emphasize that more without it being so controversial because it really shouldn't be. It's just common sense. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but anyway, I'm glad that you brought that point up. I'm glad that you brought the point up about Kyle Trash, you know, and, and you know, just getting somebody like him, you know, although, you know, he could be a good project for somebody to pick, you know, on day two, day three, but, you know, he, he's not an upgrade to Teddy and anybody that you put behind center won't be an upgrade to Teddy. Yeah. Even Will Greer, you know, who's on the roster or PJ, um, I think PJ Will, Walker, he Will, wouldn't be an upgrade either. So, Anyway, Will Greer's career stats are truly appalling. So I think it's fairly know, safe to it, say that, that he probably I, is I, not going to. I had an offline conversation about Will Greer. And I, I mean, I believe that everybody should have a shot. I just, I can't forget, you know, the the five quarters or so that I've seen him play, you know, when they, when they got a shot. Because it wasn't like they threw him in in week one, you know, like that was like week 16 and 17, you know, and, and, and he was still a rookie. But it was like, okay, you know, you, you've been – at practice a lot, you know, you've been preparing a lot. And yeah. I thought he, he should have been better he, at that he, point. But he, he has a QBR of 2.8. I mean, on, that you is... Can't, you can't <laughs> give me that as a fan. You know, like, tickets cost too much. Yeah. You know, to, to go to a game, you know, take your family to a game. And I hate <laughs> I hate that I think this way, but I do. You know, like, it, I'm a working man, you know, who doesn't have money to just blow. And even though I blow it on things like games and privilege stuff sometimes, I still it still matters what I what I what I use my money for. So if I decide to use my money to take my family to Charlotte um to to watch a football game from the Carolina Panthers and they decide to give me Will Greer, I'm gonna be upset by that. You know, yeah. if he if I, he, I, if he, if he, I, if he I, again like that if if he makes some massive stride in year three, like he like to be fair to him, he definitely looked better this like preseason and training camp than he did a year ago. Like you know, players yeah. get better, but I I think you know it, if you're just throwing guys out there to lose, I think you as a fan have to feel pretty bad about it. like you know, I, that's all I'm saying. You just don't I, don't put a lose and waste my money, you know, because you want to get a better pick next year. And I mean, and that's the argument about tanking and winning and losing, you know, winning meaningless games and stuff like that. You know, there's a lot of fans mad that we beat Washington last year um, and, and and then, you know, got ourselves out of the third pick. I didn't really want to win that game, you know, per se, you know, I wasn't excited, you know, but at the same time, I'm like, okay, I mean, somebody was happy, you know, because that was somebody's first experience watching, you know, the Panthers yeah. play. I think, I think, and, I think there's, there's a, I'm, I can go on about this forever, but there is yeah. a really big difference between, doing everything you can to win a game, which I think is a mistake if you're not a good team. Like, I don't, like yeah. don't get me wrong, like, you, the Panthers should not be going out and signing Richard Sherman. Not because I think right. he's a good player, because he is, but ultimately, yeah. Richard Sherman makes you win the short term and makes you worse in the long term. Like, like that's right. not, that's not, like, that's bad decision making. But at the same yeah. time, the idea of actively making yourself lose games, I think is, you know, players just don't want to play for those teams. Like, if, if, right. if, if you're going to, you know, Playing in the NFL is too dangerous for players to go out there and put their bodies on the line to go and lose for someone else's gratification. Like, you know, like, you, you know you're going to lose locker rooms doing that. Like, you can't go out, you know, if you go out there and you maybe you don't 
get everything right and you sort of maybe sort of make some questionable tactical decisions and you end up losing, fine. If you go out yeah. there with the clear intention of trying to lose that game and it's clear to the players that's what you're trying to do, you, I, I don't think you can, you, you're not going to last long in the NFL. Players will just not want to play for you. And that's, and, and, and that's the, the perspective I'm coming from. I mean, I mean, we won't, I'm not going to go down that, that path today. Maybe we should have like a, like a special episode to talk about, you know, winning and losing and why it matters, you know, beyond this scout of the culture. But anyway, you know, that's, you know, Kyle Trask, he was your number six, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and so, you know, getting back on the, on the QBs, you know, he was your number six. And I think, you know, you were spouting on, you know, what's good about him and, you know, and all that stuff, you know, so who was your, your, your number seven amongst your top seven? So my number seven is Trey Lance. Uh, hold on, hold on. For, for a second, before you get into that, that's this probably. I mean, the other positions that you put out there, and I, I think I'm, I get why you're gonna have them at seven. But you know, a much sure Trey Lance being number seven is probably gonna be the most shocking, you know, to the people listening. Um, you know, just because I think he. Before Zach Wilson, I think he was most people's number three heading into this year. And so for you to have him at number seven is 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 really different, you know, for for a lot of fans. I was I moving him up um, amongst my top four just because I hadn't seen him um, at all. But I do think he has more upside than, um, oh, I, I, than absolutely. Jones and stuff. Oh, ab- absolutely. Like if, if this was an upside ranking, it would probably be Justin Fields, Troy Lance, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Kellen okay. Mond, Matt Jones, Carl Trask. That would probably yes. be the upside ranking. But yeah. like, okay, there is a lot to like with, with Trey Lance. Like he has really good like velocity, arm strength, amazing runner of the ball, shows pretty good accuracy a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, and and I think to be to be fair to him, he was asked to do a lot of the non-flashy mental side of the game uh, at North Dakota State. Like they asked him to do a lot of protections and and adjustments and all that kind of stuff. Like he was, it was not that they ran some simple scheme and he was just there to run the ball. Like that would be completely unfair. However, he is still not the most accurate of throwers. Um, I think he he has like at least when you watched him in his. He only played one game last year, so you're kind of going off a lot of 2019 tape, but he has this quite arched throwing motion. Okay. Um, and when you watch his pro day, he clearly had made some progress in that. So it's like he is, he looks better now. He looked better in his pro day than he looked on tape. And okay. that's 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 promising. Like, you know, again, he his ceiling's really high. If you're confident in his ability to develop, like he is, he has the talent to be very good. I just think he's. I think the phrase I heard about him that I thought would made some sense is he's a year away from being a year away. Like almost you draft him, you develop him for a year. And then after that year, you've got a fairly good sense of whether he might have the ability to develop into a franchise quarterback that, that there's so much he needs to continue to get better at. And it's right. not that he's just terrible at stuff. It's just, it's clear. He's quite early on his development. He's still really young. He's like 20 years old. Like I, I, I do not knock his potential, like, this is not a Trey Lance cannot be good. He's a terrible player. Don't draft him. Take this is just a you've got to be really confident in his ability to to progress because there's a, a lot of work that needs to be done. Um, and like going through reads and stuff, they actually ran a reasonably complex offense at North Dakota State. Right. Um, but a lot of it was like deep shots. And again, he he just takes a lot of like 50-50 chances. Um, 
and there were just a lot of guys just running wide open that he just had to put the ball somewhere in their area code. Um, under it, yeah. yeah, and there were like when I think the other thing is North Carolina didn't do a lot of like quick game passing stuff, but when they did, he did not do super well. Um, yeah. Like most of their offense was hard play action, you know, off the off the run game, deep passing attack, and he was he was reasonably good at that stuff. The the like short passing, quick reads, shotgun type stuff, he did not look as good at. He seemed to. He seemed to really like his eyes went down really quite quickly against pressure. He didn't anticipate very much. Um, he met, he just made some misreads as well. Like um, one of the the big ones, I think JT JT Sullivan is quite into a bit of depth for this on one of his videos, so that's worth checking out if you're really interested. But the the first play against that was it? Um, oh God, Central Arkansas they played Central Arkansas the yeah, one yeah. game they played this year. Yeah, yeah that, that that first play, and it's like it does sort of encapsulate everything with him a little bit where it's like there are three reads and he sort of seems to completely jump over the number two read who is wide open and just like throws this great pass, really, really high velocity, all that stuff, but to a largely covered receiver um, that doesn't really go anywhere. And it's kind of that you, you, he has, it's not that he can't work through reads or any of this where he gets stuck on one reads, but he just, there are just too many mistakes right now. Like he's a, he's a real long-term project. Like, yeah, it, it it's it's one of those things where you're like you want yeah, you know, I feel really bad about saying this because like it gets flashed around too lot the too often the idea of like quarterbacks going tight end because they can't play quarterback anymore and it's and yeah. it's not and I'm absolutely not saying that's what you should do to be very clear but there is a bit where you watch right. and you're like I'm not totally sure you're a quarterback as in like I just wow. you're, not not because he isn't but because he's still like it almost looks like he's like you, you know it's hard to describe this but like when you watch like high school football. Like a lot of the guys there are just talented and it doesn't really matter what position they're playing. They're just kind of being talented and yeah. watching him at FCS level was like that. It was like the, you're clearly really good at stuff. You're just, you're very athletic. You have loads of potential, but you're still kind of working out exactly how to be the player you're going to be. And I think. So, you made, so he's like, he's like the, he's like the, um, the 14 year old playing with the 12 year olds. <laughs> yeah, although like, he, he he absolutely like looked like a man against boys, and like he he, yeah. I, I, I I I'm trying to be careful because I, I it, it's very easy to sound like you just don't think they can be good, and I think he can be very good. Like you know, it, yeah. it, it's there is a chance he becomes one of the very best quarterbacks in the NFL. I just in a way they talk about you know like Pat Mahomes sat for a year, I could almost yeah. see Trey Lance sitting for two years, yeah. um, and that's not necessarily a knock on him, but it's just a testament to the fact that it, it's. You know, again, players can surprise you. Like Cam Newton was, he picked things up way faster than his college tape suggested he would. Like, you know, if, yeah. you know, if players are smart and they can learn, Jeremy Chin, for example, was like, he is at, he is a quarterback what Jeremy Chin was at safety, where it's okay. like, there's clearly loads of talent here. There's loads of traits. There's loads of things to like. It's just not yeah. quite into a, like an actual NFL player yet. Uh, and Jeremy Chin put that together really quickly and was, you know, still has room to get even better. But he was an NFL player this year. Even if he never gets any yeah. better, he's an NFL player. Yeah. Trey Lance is, is, a, is, a, is a similar kind of situation, only it's a position where it's even more of a jump, where it's like there are lots of good things about his game that someone is going to need to work with him to put together into being an actual quarterback. And yeah. Maybe like again, like I talked about players being more flexible. Like you get like Matt Jones and Carl Trask. I don't think you could talk me into grading them much higher. Like I think they just are who they are. 
Like, yeah. like with Justin Herbert last year, like I think you could talk me into taking Trey Lance in the first round. Like yeah. even, even though he's my number seven quarterback, you could talk me into doing it because I think there is there is definitely enough potential there that if you really trust that the player is 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 on that pathway and is getting there, if you have to wait two years, you have to wait two years. Like no one would have said if Pat Mahomes had had been redshirted for two years in the NFL, no yeah. one would have said, oh, "Well, he's a bust. Like why did you draft him in the top 10? Like, right? It's just because all it because they could have easily stayed with an Alex Smith, Smith and justified him being on the bench for a second year. Yeah, it, it, it's it's. In those situations, I mean, it, it's like it's more about where the young player is in their development. It's, it's like about the not, guy, like the guy love from Green. They went to Green Bay. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. If I'm honest, Trey Lance is better than, than him. Like, like, if you want to take a chance, <laughs> like, as in, if if you're going to draft a guy based on traits, I have fewer question marks with Trey Lance than I had with Love. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and I think he has more talent. Like, yeah, I, I, yeah, it's it's one of those things where he's just he's a really hard player to get a read on from tape alone because ultimately his value is not in what he's done so far; it's in what he's going to do. Um, well, you know, and, and, and that's one of those situations where I'm saying, you know, if you look at the Panthers and where we actually are, you know, if things didn't, you know, go so bad, you know, towards the end of the season, people kept in perspective, you know, where we are in this franchise and what we're trying to build. Then Trey Lance is one of these guys that has like all the upside that you're talking about. Um, if you draft him at eight, then you know you would definitely be hoping that he becomes your guy, you know, in the next year or two. Um, but Carolina's in a in the in a position of of convenience right now when it comes to the quarterback position. I know everybody gets fixated on oh yeah, Teddy Bridgewater has a, a three-year, sixty-three million dollar contract and yada yada yada. It's effectively a two-year deal. Yes, it's really a two-year deal, and they can get out of it easily, you know, at the beginning of the next season and save all kind of cap space, you know. But but when you look at when you look at Trey Trey Lance and, and like you said, it may take him a year or more to develop. Then I started looking at a team like the Falcons. I think the Falcons are contractually tied to Matt Ryan for the next two seasons, and. Trey Lance, when you give him, you know, given you know that trajectory, you know, for his growth and, and readiness, you know, he's a guy that maybe they could draft, and yeah. you sit behind Matt Ryan, and then when Matt Ryan is ready to retire or whatever he does after this, you know, next two seasons, then Trey Lance would be ready to go, and I think he fits what you know Arthur Smith likes to do at quarterback by you know based on what he did with Tannehill in Tennessee, and so um, I think his name is Arthur Smith. Um, yeah, that sounds right. And so, and so, when you look at that, I think that's a good place for him, you know. But if it yeah, wasn't, I, I think also places like New England and potentially Washington as well. I think they yeah, they would yeah. have they would have to trade up to get him. But teams where it's like they're not expecting to be good, like like well, New England's a bit different. New England is like we're good now. We don't really have any yeah. needs. We can afford right. to draft the quarterback and just let him develop for two years, and just Cam Newton will be the guy. And because yeah. you know, ultimately. New England clearly thinks Cam Newton could be good, and I think that's probably fair. I just think there's also a treat to the fact they keep selling into one-year deals, not four or five-year deals, <laughs> yeah. um, and which is that like ultimately there's not that much faith that his body is just going to keep going and keep going and keep going. Um, yeah. And and it, like you could draft Trey Lance at like if New England, particularly with their need, they don't really need anything. They've got a really good roster. You could trade up to like the, the you know say say Trey Lance is there at eight, which I think is still a bit of a long shot. But if he's there at eight. New England could trade up. They could draft Trey Lance. You know, maybe give up some of their loads and loads and loads of picks they have, and and you know he sits behind Cam. And there's no, you know, obviously New England media will then say, well, why isn't he starting week one? But you know, ignoring that bit, 
Like he could just sit behind Cam for two years and learn. And there's there's really no better mentor for a player like that than Cam Newton. Um, no, I agree. I agree. And, and I, I, I think if it, it, it's much easier when you're that kind of team. I think the I think the thing is is that the Panthers are maybe one year too far ahead to draft Trey Lance. Yeah. In the in the if they drafted Trey Lance a year ago, then it would be a matter of like, well, now they're still not a very good team. Trey Lance is still developing. Maybe he competes with Teddy to start this year, but like if he doesn't start, we're still on the journey. The team's still getting better around him. Like and, yeah. and Atlanta is almost in this weird situation where they're just getting worse. So like, yeah. you know, if it's like we're gonna do our rebuild, but we're just gonna keep Matt Ryan for the first couple of years of it and he can have what talent we've got left, kind of thing, then I think Trey Lance makes some sense there. Um yeah. Uh, and I think ultimately, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. It's just it, he's always been interesting to me. You know, I, I, again, I didn't know him, and I'm I'm really hesitant to speak on guys that I never watched play. And and so when people ask me early in the year, you know, why I didn't have Trey Lance ahead of even like a Mac Jones, it, it was simply because I said, well, I've seen Mac Jones and I haven't seen Trey Lance. Um, so I had Trey Lance as my number five early in the season after his pro day. You know, I'm easily swayed. You know, by oh yeah, no. By he, Mac. His his pro day is certainly very encouraging. Yeah, um, and like, so I and he flipped me that day, and I was like, okay, that's my first time actually seeing him live and in person. And even though it wasn't like a real game, it's just seeing his his size, his arm, and I was like, you know what, I I would take that over Mac any day of the week. You know, just and and, and I think you know just put in context of how I see where we are because I, I'm really fixated on the Panthers when I, when I think about prospects and what we should do and, and could do uh, that can't be better than or can't do something different from Teddy Bridgewater. And that's how I see a Mac Jones. That's how I see yeah, a no, contrast. That's right. Yeah, and, and so when when I look at these prospects and I, and I, and I listen and I'm trying to allow myself even in my older age, you know, to, to be Swayed by you know what the you know what the younger generations want from the position, what the NFL wants from the um, from the quarterback position going forward. I was like, okay, if athleticism and making plays out of structure, you know, are the things that you really are wanting, you know, for your next quarterback. Well, you know, that's what Teddy isn't really, you know. So so now I got to look at guys who can do those things, and so then I get caught up in looking at Justin Fields. Um, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, you know, obviously, you know, Trevor Lawrence, but I don't think he's even an option for us. Say it on looking at those three oh, guys no, no, I, as, I, as guys who can do something different. No, I, I, I can, like, I think I, I can absolutely understand that. I think there's, yeah. I think obviously with quarterback, it's about balancing upside with floor. Um, yeah. And I think because Trey Lance has what I would say is a significant bust potential, it's yeah. quite hard for me to grade him higher than that. No, at least, yeah, at least yeah. just based on the tape. However, if you're talking about the Panthers, I don't think you should do. You know, Tre- Trevor Lawrence isn't going to be there. Um, right. I really don't think. I, I, I don't think Matt Jones and Carl Trask make any sense for the Panthers. Yeah. Um, and then you're looking at like, okay, so you're now down to like Justin Fields, Kellen Mond, Carl uh, Wilson, Trey Lance. I think of those, Wilson is the one that I'd probably be least enthusiastic about, um, because okay. although I think Lance is probably not as good a prospect. I think there is more cause for optimism with him. Like, I think the, it's, it's probably a bigger long shot, but it's, 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 it's ultimately like, do you want to, uh, you know, do you want a 10% chance at a million dollars 
or do you want a 3% chance of $5 million? You know, and it doesn't quite work that yeah. way, but it, it's kind of like, you know, they're both long shots. It's just that if one of them pays off, it's going to be even bigger than the others. I think that there's a chance that Carl, Carl, you know, Zach Wilson kind of pays off and ends up being a fairly mediocre quarterback. Um, yeah. Whereas I, I struggle to see the world where Trey Lance works out and he's not very good. Um, I got you. Yeah, it's just if, the, if, if it becomes good, he's going to be like, like great good. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe that's a bit of a, 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 yeah. a yeah, a bit strong, but like you know, yeah, you, you know, if, if he if he puts it together, the the the, the, the talent is there to just it's very hard. He he, he is so talented. Yeah. Um, I think from a Panthers point of view, I think I'd look at it this way: like if you're drafting someone at eight, you'd probably want it to be Justin Fields. Um, right. I think. You have to, you know, again, all of these players are someone you have to have confidence in. Like, you can't. I, I think maybe the, the thing is, is that the lower down the draft you take someone, the more willing you are for, they, for them to bust, basically. So, yeah. I think someone like Kellen Mond, I think, is makes sense as like a day two pick, um, particularly in the third round. I think there, I think you you really like the value. And actually, if you've got players you like with your first two picks, if you just throw a dart, you know, if, if Kellen Mond busts or becomes no better than Teddy Bridgewater you haven't lost that much. Um, right. Whereas I think if you take him in the first round, I think you're, you're, you're the upside, I don't think you can justify it. Even if I think, you know, I think the thing is, it isn't that the Panthers ha- don't have a quarterback. If the Panthers had no quarterback, and it was just about getting the best possible quarterback, then maybe you could talk me into Mont higher than that. But I think with Teddy Bridgewater, for the upside to pay off the downside, I think he he falls a little bit in terms of where I'd take him. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's Fields day one, Mont day two, and then, Day three is we'll talk about in a second in terms of some guys who might be there. But I, I think Lance, you like if they draft Trey Lance, I'll definitely get a bit excited. If, I if, mean, and, and I if, think that's if they I'm draft at. Carl Wilson, I'll be a bit more apprehensive. Yeah, and, and, and Zach that's, Wilson, even, sorry. Yeah, Zach Wilson. I, I'm I'm kind of the same way. I mean, it becomes, you know, honestly, it comes down to that excitement factor, you know, for me now. I think I, I think we have a decent quarterback. You know, I think we have a quarterback who can who can orchestrate our offense. You know, who can move us up and down the field. I think if you know you give even Teddy Bridgewater, Chris McCaffrey back, add a skilled player in that tight end position. You know, we already got Dan on. You know, we got a good number three, number four. You know, tight receiver. You know, and David Moore, um, even you know Brandon Zilstra. You know, we got we have talent. You know, so I think Teddy Bridgewater is kind of like, you know, like that's the waterline, you yeah. know, so give me a guy who can push us over the top, you know, with their, with their dynamic, you know, playmaking abilities, being ability to play out of, you know, out of structure. And to me, again, those guys are, are um, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, um, Zach Wilson, you know, I can put them in that, in that category of, okay. But like you said, I think out of those three, Zach Wilson excites me the least, but to me, he's lumped with them. You know, but yeah, overall, no, I think, man, I, 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 th- I think that's the fairest. I, I think yeah, yeah. And, and, Zach, and, Zach, and, Will, Zach Wilson excites me the least. Trey Lance has the highest burst potential, and, and Justin Fields <laughs> is the best combination of those two. That oh, I those think two. He, of like yeah. he has a significantly higher floor than Trey, or at least I think he has a much. The percentage of him busting is noticeably lower than that of Trey Lance, um, yeah. and I think if he works it out, he's much better than Zach Wilson. Um, so I think Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson, will be the one I think is the 
the worst combination of upside and and floor of those three. I just think that Trey Lance, it's, it's about how you, comparing like someone like Zach Wilson and Trey Lance, it's like, how do you compare, compare what they would do, like the ceiling and floor really? I mean, that, that's the big thing with the Barrington prospect is how do you, how do you take those two things into account? Because if it's about ceiling, then Trey Lance is higher. If it's about floor, yeah. then it's it, he's really low. So it's yeah. kind of, it, it's it's just about how you balance those two. And I like these rankings I, are not things I'd like live and die by. Like there are definitely players who I would live and die by them being higher than some others. But like when you start trying to you know negotiate between ceiling and floor, it really is a negotiation, not some kind of like fixed calculation. Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, as we discuss these top seven candidates and I'm, I'm going to go through them real quick, you know, just to recap, yeah. Trevor Lawrence is clear number one. Then you have Justin Fields as your number two. Mm-hmm. Kellen Mond as your number three. Jones mm-hmm. is your number four. Zach Wilson, number five. Kyle Trask is your number six. And Trey Lance rounding out the top seven. Um, so for the, you know, those are for the NFL. The, yeah. the, the greater NFL and how those guys rank in, in terms of specs. When it comes down to realistic options for the Panthers, you know, it's everybody after Trevor Lawrence to an extent. But when I look at guys who can be an upgrade to what we currently have in Teddy Bridgewater, you know, that excitement factor, you know, that being that 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 the fact of being somewhat of a unicorn in, in terms of ability and uh, being dynamic, it's Justin Fields, yep. Trey Lance. And and Zach Wilson, those yeah, I, are the three players that if the Panthers are going to pick a player at eight or move up to get a guy for some reason, it'll be one of those three. And if for some reason we can't get one of those three quarterbacks, then the Panthers should get either a left tackle or a cornerback, and they should focus on someone like Kellen Mond or one of these other guys that we're going to mention here shortly. You know, on day two or day three. Yeah, I, I, I think personally for me, I think the conversation at eight, we'll get more of this in, in, into the final podcast before the draft, but I think it's, I think Justin Fields is the guy who I think you make a serious conversation about. I think there are probably, I, I, I might feel happier going in other directions with, with Lance and, and Wilson. Um, obviously it depends on how you feel about them sort of in terms of interviews and stuff but yeah. I think Fields is the guy that is 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 the one who really is a step above those other two in terms of risk and reward and and I hope you know for the sake of Panthers fans if we are able to get a quarterback then somehow that's our guy I don't know how that would happen no, at this point you know given you know the moves that's been made by San Francisco to go up to three and you know the other quarterback needy teams ahead of us I will say this you know, you can almost bank on Trevor Lawrence going to Jacksonville. I, I feel pretty strongly about the Jets going with Zach Wilson. Yeah. Number three is the wild card now because of the trade with San Francisco. But I have them. They, they can go Mac Jones. They can go Trey Lance. They can go Justin Fields. You know, it's been rumors attached to all three of them. You know, I, so- I, I think if it sounds like their talk of keeping Jimmy Garoppolo for 2021 is sincere. Like they, they yeah. would like to keep him. Yeah. I think to me that indicates more either Fields or Lance. And, and, that's, and that's what I'm thinking too, you know, and so like realistically, regardless of all the hype, I think it's really, you know, Trey Lance or Justin Fields. I think they really like those guys. Um, 
So, so now we're looking at, you know, who's remaining, you know, between either Justin Fields or Trey Lance and a Mac Jones, you know, for the rest of the way. And, you know, you have Atlanta picking at four, Cincinnati picking at five. You know, neither one of those teams have to pick a quarterback. No, um, but I, th- so- I, th- I think Atlanta might move out of four. I think the, the, the big thing is that, that Atlanta is in a position where they should definitely be listening to offers for that fourth pick. And I think... And- I, I think, think so too. Denver are probably a team that are, Denver and may, maybe New England could could potentially move up there. So I think there's, yeah, I think it's one of those things where as the Panthers set your board, see who's there, make your decision. Don't don't try and preempt anything really. And and that's and that's where I'm at with it too. I think when you look at all of the all of the scenarios, you know that are there, um, prior to us picking at eight, I really you know it would be lovely honestly, to be able to draft one of these, you know, one of the three guys we mentioned, especially, you know, but if we can't, we have to remember that there is someone like Kellen Munn, you know, who would be there in day two or day three, who, who may have as much upside as these guys who are more talked about. So that's just something to consider. But, you know, now that we've established who our top seven is, I think, you know, between you and I, you know, the, the top seven and how you rank them, and it's a little different than how I would have ranked them, but I think we have the same seven. Yeah. Um, so in case we don't get one of the top seven guys and, you know, and I think it's always smart to try to get a guy, even if you don't go early for a quarterback, I think on day two or day three, if there's a guy who's there who can fit, you know, and you want to, you know, see how they look and, you know, in your offense and, you know, and you have some insight on them, you know, you know, inside information on them where you think they could, you know, be better than where a lot of people have projected. You know, I think it's always good to swing for the fences. I mean, the guy who's won, what, seven Super Bowls now, you know, was pick 199. And I, I know that was like two decades ago almost, you know, but there's still guys who play really well without being picked on day one of the draft. Yeah. And I think it's always important to note that there will always be guys who would be picked in day two and day three, and they end up being really good starters in the NFL and could – potentially be, um, a, you know, a multiple Super Bowl winner um, as well. So um, I'm not saying that that we are going to bring up will be like that, but, you know, you have to consider some guys like that in every draft. There, there, so, there, there is a chance that the player we discussed will not become Tom Brady. There is there is, there is some chance of that. <laughs> that's a significant yeah. chance. Yeah, and so, so, but, you know, Vincent, before we go, who are some of your uh, players, you know, that can be found on day two and day three, you know, who the Panthers – consider yeah i think day two is probably going to encompass these top seven i think it's really if you're talking about someone outside of those you're talking about day three um i think for me the pick of those guys who aren't the top seven that is um is shane buchel the smu quarterback um i think he's got a reasonably good arm i don't think he's got sort of a very top tier arm, but it's a it's an nfl arm um he can push the ball downfield effectively he's got really quite nice velocity and underneath throws um does a really good job off platform actually like particularly on sort of like um more sort of linear throws rather than like the big deep heaves, but like working the ball into tight windows off balance, he does a good job of. Um, Decision-making-wise, it's a bit mixed. I mean, SMU ran a really kind of sort of peak air raid type type offense. Like it's very different from what he'll be asked to run in the NFL. Um, and there was lots of kind of like basically looking for deep throws and working into sort of obvious like check, check down, like yak opportunities so that like it, it will be a big step up. But I think he made generally pretty good decisions, particularly when not like constantly under pressure. Um, SMU's offensive line wasn't amazing. 
Um, so he, he he did have some games where he kind of just got pressured into some pretty wild throws. But it's about a day three guy. I think he's he's a pretty decent decent long shot. Um, and I think the other thing, to, the other point to make, not about him specifically, about these guys, is that even if they only become like useful, like good backups, that's that's worth something. Um, and like you know, the payoff for quarterbacks who work out, either in terms of what you can get for them in terms of comp picks if they sign free agency, or or what you can trade them for, you know. They don't necessarily have to be great players for you to be able to get a third or fourth round pick. You know, Carl Allen got the Panthers a fifth round pick. Like right. you don't have to be that good to get something for those players. So right. it's it's worth taking a chance. Um the other guy, someone who you mentioned before we started um, recording is Davis Mills, um, the Stanford quarterback. Yes. I think for me, he's for me, there's like seven guys a gap, Buchel, a gap, Davis Mills, a gap, some other guys. So I think there's definitely stuff to like. He has the arm talent to play in the NFL. He makes some really nice anticipatory throws, good, good, you know, quick processing at times. But just there's just too much negative as well. There's some really ugly misses, like and too too many to be sort of completely confident with. Right. And also some, some just really questionable decisions about what to do with the ball. That it's kind of it's a real mix of good and bad. And uh you think he's he's just like he is he is more of just a pure roll of the dice type thing. Um yeah. Yeah, I, I think that you know I, I, this isn't this draft class is, is a quarterback is interesting because it doesn't have like that many really really top tier quarterback prospects. But what it has is it has this like seven guys who could all be franchise quarterbacks, and that's really like the odds are like one to three of them actually do end up being that. Like, like most of these guys will not work out, but yeah. the seven players who you could draft in the first two or three rounds with an expectation of them eventually becoming your your franchise quarterback. And you not being just completely sort of off base in doing that. Like quite often teams talk themselves into these guys on like day two, but I think there are legitimately seven day two quarterbacks at least. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, it's crazy then, when you think about it. There isn't that much after that is the point. That, that after you get past these seven guys, there's maybe one or two guys who are worth a throw on day three. But other than that, you're looking at either like real long-term projects like Jamie Newman, I think is a, is a serious project. Like he's a, like, like as in Trey Lance, like a two-year project, but just without that kind of upside. Like he's a he's a long-term project for somebody. Um, or guys like Felipe Franks, who are again similar kind of just you're just drafting trades basically, but not even elite trades. And that's the crazy part. Like if this was like a normal year, you know, where to me the demand is driving the narrative about these quarterbacks, um, I would only have Trevor Lawrence and and Justin Fields as like my clear first rounders and everybody else would be kind of French. Um, I think, that's but, fair. yeah, I think the narrative around the need for the quarterback position, like you said, it being a transitional type year or time period for the NFL and the quarterback hierarchy, I think is driving, you know, the fact that, you know, the, the NFL at large, you know, the, the clubs, they need six to seven new franchise spaces, <laughs> Um, and so, you know, everybody's trying to find their guy right now. And it's a great time to be a quarterback prospect um, because, you know, if you have this, you know, the, the attributes, if you have the traits, if you have the big arm, if you're if you're athletic, you know, then, you know, everybody's buying high right now. And so, you know, good for them, you know, that this is their time and, and that somebody's going to take a chance on them. Um, Zach Wilson, you know, and, and almost every year there's going to be a guy you know, who's going to come out of nowhere and everybody's going to think like they're the guy. 
um, you know, that was Mitch Trubisky, you know, um, you know, and, and now, you know, is Zach Wilson. And then what I've tried to remind fans of is that although everything looks so bleak right now, you know, for the, you know, for the future of the Carolina Panthers, you know, in 2022, you know, there's going to be, you know, be a load known, more guys. Yeah. There's going to be the known guys that we're looking at right now, you know, um, you know, you know, the, the UNC quarterback, you know, who I'm drawing Sam Howell. But yeah, Sam Howell. You know, you got you know Rattler coming out of uh, Yeah, and you got Desmond you Desmond yeah, Ritter at Cincinnati and stuff like that. Like there are Yeah. Yeah, there's I gonna mean, be guys next year and yeah. then but then there's gonna be some guy that's gonna be just like Zach Wilson was this year. Yeah. You know, who's gonna come out of nowhere, who's gonna be like Joe Burrow was last year. Like they're gonna come out of nowhere. Nobody's thinking about him right now, but by November of 2021, he's going to be somebody's favorite quarterback. And then the Carolina Panthers fan base is going to be like, oh, wow, you know, like, who is this guy? And so, I mean, if we don't get a guy this year. So um, I just want to keep people, you know, mindful of that. You know, there's always the guys that you can see coming, but then there's going to be one or two that you don't see. Um, If we get a quarterback this year, hopefully they get that right. If we don't get a quarterback this year. It's not the end of the world. Like every no. time I see somebody tweet about it, it's like, we got to get a quarterback this year. Like, man, we can't take another year of Teddy. We can't go keep going without a franchise quarterback. And I'm like, okay, yes, you can. Like, you know, it's just, it's the NFL. Like it's, it's very linear. There's, there, there's very teams where you, you're sort of fairly confident the guy they have a quarterback will definitely be the quarterback in five years' time. There really yeah. aren't many of those. Like, it's just not. Yeah. It, 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 Either through age or inconsistency or unproven, it's like you know, you know, the, the Rams signed their quarterback to a long-term extension last offseason and traded him away this year. Like, yeah. like the guys who are definitely set is like Pat Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, I don't know, Russell Wilson. Really if he doesn't it. get traded, yeah, uh, I mean, he's even talking about getting traded. traded. I mean, to Sean Watson about- again, minus trade, but like you know. Yeah. In, the number of guys who are like, you know, Josh Allen has been, was, was really good. I mean, no, no, Lamar Jackson as well. I think about Lamar Jackson's in that conversation, right. but right. like Josh Allen was really good last year, but he was yeah. not very good the two years before that. So like, you know, yeah. if, if, if he's able to be consistently that, then great, you know, or, you know, Baker Mayfield has proven to be very effective inside Stefanski's offense. Yeah. Wasn't very good before that. So again, it's right. it, it kind of, you know, the number of guys who are like these sort of, you know, they are the face of the franchise. They carry everyone with them. They're really rare. And, you know, most teams don't have that. So not having that is not some kind of, you know, failure of a franchise. That's why I keep telling people. I mean, and, and, and some of that, as much as people don't want to admit it, you know, it's, it's, you have to be a little lucky. Oh, yeah. uh, it, it's not about all of, you know, like your organization, the ability to scout, you know, and, and make really good decisions at drafting the quarterback, you know, no, like it's, it's that like quarterback it. has to have that special thing about him that makes him want to be great. And it's actually to become great. And you just can't predict that, you know, everybody wants to be that, you know, everybody wants to get that guy, but you, but like you said, it's only like four or five of them in today's NFL who can pull a franchise. And just because, these guys look great coming out of college. Now, I'm talking about every one of them. Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Mac Jones, the whole list that we discussed. Nothing is guaranteeing that any one of them is going to be a guy who's going to pull their franchise. Um, at there, best, is, there, is, there is probably a not, there's probably a 20% chance that none of them become that guy. <laughs> and, that's, and that's insane, but, you know, 
But, you know, we've gotten to a point in our franchise, you know, with Carolina Panthers, you know, with moving on from a franchise quarterback that the fan base just wants another guy who can be, you know, and, and this this came from the, the NFL network guys, um, um, Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks, you know, you know, we want a guy who can be the truck versus the trailer, a guy who can pull the franchise versus yeah. being pulled by a good franchise. And so, you know, I know why we want that. We've had that. But all we're saying is if we can't get that this draft, um, there's no guarantee, you know, that any guy in this draft is going to be that or is capable of being that. Or in this year's draft, we just you just never know when those guys come around. And and, and it's like hitting the lottery if you get one. Yeah. And so, um, you know, so we we hope, you know, that these guys pan out, you know, if not for the Carolina Panthers, for anybody who drafts them, you know, to be what people believe they can be. Yeah. We just hope that the Carolina Panthers, if we don't end up with one of those guys, are smart enough as a franchise to build a very competitive championship caliber team that doesn't have to be pulled by its franchise quarterback. But that's still a, a method of winning in the NFL. And I think the last 18, 19 seasons or so, you know, with having somebody as great as Tom Brady, who also was with a great organization and even the Tampa Bay team that he just won with was a really well-built team yeah you know like it never happens with one player it never happens with just the quarterback position too much credit is given to this position and too much blame is given to this position I mean Aaron, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers has got pretty close to time to doing it just by himself but but uh, you know he is the best quarterback of the last he's the best quarterback you know like he's, ever. Aaron Rodgers has been the best quarterback that I've really seen talent-wise in my time of watching football, you know, which is getting close to 40 years of watching. And that's to include my goal of Joe, Joe Montana. Um, like, I think Aaron Rodgers had the most talent. Oh, yeah. It, it, his it, career has proven that you can't just will a team to the championship by yourself. I and think it, it takes so much more. It will be really interesting to see if Aaron Rodgers ever gets into a position where he has notably above average players around him and a scheme that's quite good. Because I'm not sure that's ever been the case before. For him. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, and that's and that's the unfortunate part about, you know, the way that the NFL is, is set up or, you know, your organization can, I want to say set you up for failure because he hasn't failed, you know, in his career at all. It's just he hasn't been set up to, to be a perennial champion every year. Like, I can't point to a year where I could say if Aaron Rodgers just had been better, the team would have won a championship. Yeah, no, no. You know, <laughs> you just can't. You know, I can't remember a year that he got hurt a few times. I can't point to his performance and say, well, you know, if Aaron Rodgers just had been a better quarterback during this period, you know, they would have won championships. That's, that's never been the case. And yeah, so, and, and it's not like he's – so I think there is – I don't know this. I think it'll be interesting to see what Mahomes is like this year if Kansas City's offensive line is not very good. Because there, there, are, there are definitely players who are badly suited to certain situations. So, right. for example, like Pat Mahomes is not a particularly great quick passing quarterback. Like that, right. that's not like that's just, you know, it's not he's bad at it, but it's just not the strength of his game. He is, he is notably so much better when he has the chance to be a deep passing guy than when he's a short passing guy. And so right. if he struggles relatively, I mean, in the next few years, it's probably because he's not in a situation that suits him and that he he is not able to overcome his stylistic limitations to suddenly, yeah. you know, it, 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 
that sounds like he's yeah, that's not the best way of putting it, but hopefully you know what I mean. Whereas it's not like Aaron Rodgers has been the guy where it's like, well, he's really good, but it's just he couldn't, you know, he just wasn't suited for the scheme or he wasn't suited for the situation. It's just like the scheme has not been very good or the situation has not been that good. And I think the last couple of years have been better scheme wise, I think. Um, but there's still the question of like, it hasn't got tons of weapons to throw to. No, he still, I mean, he still hasn't had, I mean, aside from Devontae Adams. I mean, running back's anybody, running back as well. Yeah, the running back has been good. Aaron Jones has been good, you know, and Devontae Adams has been good, you know, but he doesn't have a tight, he doesn't have a top tier tight end, hasn't had one. And um, the receiver depth's been really poor there. Yeah, I mean, ever since they lost Jordy Nelson and, and um, Cobb, you know, they really haven't had any good second receivers. Um, you know, yeah, if, if, if you if, if you'd have put the, the talent he had when he had like good Jordy Nelson, Cobb and Adams, yeah. if you'd have put those players in this scheme or or this scheme with those players, like that would have been interesting to see. Yeah. I think, that would I have think, been the best situation for him. But you know, but when they had all of he's that, never had both together. What they didn't have was a, a, a really good defense, you know. So or, so or, like, or well, I'm not, I'm not sure the scheme they had beforehand was very good. Personally. Oh, with um, McCarthy. With, um, with, well, yeah, yeah, with uh, Mike McCartney. So, yeah, I mean, everybody thought it was good because he was Mike McCartney, but, yeah, it, it probably wasn't. Really, he, he didn't run the ball well at all. He seems um, like a very good uh, quarterback coach. Like, it, you yeah. Know, but, yeah, his schemes it, were not particularly interesting, should we say. And that, and I agree. But, hey, man, you know, yeah, we keep obviously this, this, this quarterback conversation, you know, is a deep one, but it's because it is the most important position on the field. It's not the only position on the field, but it is the most important. And, um, I know we've went a little long today. You know, we 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 Just keep our conversations pretty long. You know, they always seem to go that way. But you know, we appreciate everyone who's all this time for for sticking around. You know, it's been a a conversation that we've been waiting to have. I think you know, it's it's an important position not only to every NFL team, but particularly to the Carolina Panthers right now because of all of the all of the discussion that's been had about it. Um, ever since the season ended and, and for some people before the season even ended. So um, we don't know what's going to happen. You know, what we tried to do is lay out the top candidates, um, you know, across the NFL, you know, but particularly the ones for the Panthers, you know, on day one and, and maybe even, you know, day two slash day three. And so, um, you know, good luck, you know, to all of us in, in our quest to get a quarterback. And it was a pleasure, you know, going through this episode with you. Yeah. Um, please remember, you know, to, 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 to rate, review and subscribe, you know, if you like, you know, this discussion, you like any of the discussions we've had around the draft or free agency, um, you know, you can always interact with Vincent and I, you can find me at Panthers culture You can find Vincent at B Richardson 444 on Twitter. Um, we'd love for you to, to ask questions, to expound on some of the things that you may have heard or other other prospects that you like, you know, that we didn't discuss. So, uh, but anyway, Vincent, do you have anything before we go, man? No, I think that's everything for me. Thanks. Uh, that's, and that's it for me. So, hope you all have a great week. Until next time, peace. Goodbye. Thank you.